Is it autumn already? No, 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 hush. Stop that nonsense. You can take a look at some great pictures that Johnny posted of our drive-in, and it looked a a lot like autumn. Uh, Check out our uh, Facebook page, and you will see all of them. should explain to some of the kids who may be new to all this. We were just having the conversation along with uh, with Brett and Dan about who this is that you're listening to. This is Bob Young. And longtime listeners know that uh, Bob is probably one of the most talented people that we ever met. Uh, everything you're listening to, Bob played, Bob wrote. Yep. Uh, and if you know the WGN song, Bob wrote that, and that was him singing the song, too. And it was redone for a commercial a couple of years ago mm-hmm. for the radio station. Uh, Bob sadly is no longer with us, but he left some great music. And so every time we play this, somebody will contact us and say, well, everything is right in my world now. The Stevie yeah. Johnny song just played. Where can I get it? And I'm sorry. It's it's. I th- if you can find, find uh, a copy of... American oh. Stories. American Stories or... Who's Bob Young? Yes. There were two albums that Bob put out, and I believe on the first one you will find the Stephen Johnny jingle. You'll also find things like, uh, I think, Thrilla from, like, Villa. The Yacht Lyle Dean. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he, he worked his way into our hearts here at the radio station. Because there's nothing like having a song with your name in it. You know, like, that's so cool. But I will never forget. We're going to have to play the WGN song. Yeah. Because I will never forget the first time. Bob sent a copy of that in, and Bob Collins played it. And, and I wept like a baby. Just, uh, it, I was there like, wasn't a dry in the room. Yes, it's it's pretty powerful. Well, we have a full house tonight, and we got a whole bunch of people coming in to do the radio show with us, and I'm just tickled about that. And, and for those of you who have said for years that uh, you think we're a couple of bozos, well, we've got the real bozo <laughs> will be joining us later tonight. I want to find out when he fills out when he filled out applications when he was bozo and they said what is your employment did he say bozo or did he say actor you know I would say bozo just yeah. just to have people go what really come on yeah. bozo is how you say it right <laughs> well with us in the studio let's do a little round robin here uh, you are. Um, um, Starts with a D. Uh, yeah, damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, da, 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 da. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just left us. One day you were here, and then you were gone. Was it something we said? Uh, no, it's well, Bob Surratt called me mysterious uh, the other day in the oh. morning. So I, I guess I just am quiet, and I kind of move in mysterious ways. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, you, know, you went to days. Yeah I, yeah, I moved over to the mornings. Can't blame you. Well, wait a minute. I, uh, when you move over to mornings, that means you're still up in the middle of the night. Yeah, for you know a couple days a week, you suck it up and 
Yeah, it kind of cramps your style. Though. Yeah, but then you you know you leave and you, and you still have the, the whole day ahead yeah. of you. Yeah, and I yeah. you know you could have some sort of functional social life at night, which I haven't. I mean, I've been in radio. We were saying twelve years, and I've mm-hmm. worked nights and weekends the entire time. So yeah. I was kind of reaching the end of my. But it's always a great excuse when you work weird hours because if you're grumpy or if you don't look real good or whatever, you go, "Hey, I got up at three o'clock in the morning." It is yeah. like a yeah, it is like a get out of jail free card <laughs> when you don't want to get yeah. out of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. that you Brett, may, you're agreeing with that? Yeah, you may or may not want to be going to and he was on. You, so I'm yeah, really, sorry, I'm. Yep. I'm tired. Can't make it. I, yeah. I gotta work. I, gotta I can't function. You know, bedtime for me is like four in the afternoon, right? Boy, did we say that. People used to say, gosh, you've got a great life because you can go to plays and concerts. And I thought, And what? oddly enough, when we first started doing this, we thought... <laughs> we tried. Yeah. Okay, we'll be able to do that. That show doesn't start till 11. Sure, we're on till 5 in the morning. But we can go and get... No, never happened. We went to one play, and we were miserable all night long. And <laughs> I was just like, I I have to lay my head down. You hit the wall a lot yes. quicker than you real, Especially when yeah. you, it's not that bad... The first day, yeah. or even maybe even the second day, but by the third day of doing it, and yes. especially if you're trying to function, like Dan said, right? Yeah, that third day comes around and it hits you pretty and, hard. And regardless, how many times your friends say, "Oh yeah, I understand." No, they no, don't. No. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> you know, occasionally people will say, "What's the secret to your your marriage?" Because you know we're coming up on forty years. I say the secret is. We've worked together the whole time. Yeah. Because if he was on the shift and I wasn't, your ship's passing in the right. night. Yeah, you know? it's tough. When I was, even me now, since I'm in the midday most of the mm-hmm. times, getting home, you know, you eat a lot of meals alone. Like my yeah. wife and I don't spend a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know, so whenever I'm home, I, you know, it's like you got to make food and try to spend time together because it does kind of eat up. And especially since we live in the suburbs, you added, you know, an hour commute on each side. And sure. Unless there's a snowstorm, then, yeah. you know, well, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> then, then, you, then it's about two hours on the right. commute. So. <laughs> so for all of you, um, and we actually called people who work overnight Tour One, because that's yes. what they call it out at O'Hare Airport. We got a call from some of the people who work at O'Hare, and they said, it's not third shift. This is Tour One. We laid the foundation for, for everybody the day. else. I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. We're that important. And I said, you really go, yeah, we are absolutely considered tour one. So that's, we became tour one. Yeah. <laughs> it felt so much better it's than that. It's almost like the uh, Special Forces tier that's, one. That's yeah. right. Yes. It adds an element of uh, sophistication to it, kind of. <laughs> we, we tried. <laughs> well, also on the other side of the glass is, we've got Julian over there. Hey, Julian. Hello. Hello, hello. Oh, he's worth it. That's his radio voice. He was going for his Orion Samuelson microphone. Yes. Hello, hello. <laughs> so you've had a good week? I have had a good week. You know, you're going to melt your microphone if you keep talking like that. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I made him you know, auditioning for a smooth jazz position or what? <laughs> I mean, if it's there, if someone offers it. Hey, baby, this is Julian with the jazz. Got some King Curtis coming up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We have to take a quick break and come back. Then we're going to go into the newsroom. And get the guy with a really low voice. <laughs> yes. So stay with us here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman on WGN Radio had to play that because I believe that both Ron Brown and uh, Dan Long were uh, 
in the audience at Wrigley Field this week. Yes. Uh, Ron, let me start with you. I saw some of the pictures you posted. How was it? Oh, I, I loved it. I mean, uh, I, I haven't missed a Springsteen concert in I don't know how long. Uh, my first was in 78, and uh, Wednesdays was my most recent one. I stopped counting, but it's it's <laughs> around 15, 16, 17. It was the first one that I, I had to take my son to, though. He's uh, 26, oh. and it was the first Springsteen concert. So that was very, very special. I love the pictures of your son with little miniature that Fender little, guitar. That little Fender uh, Telecaster, that's so cool. That's a great picture. Yes, he was playing for small change outside yeah. the <laughs> outside <laughs> Wrigley Field. <laughs> now, did you hear Lisa Denton was at that same show? And she said on the radio on Thursday, she said, I think that's it. That's, that's going to be the last one for him. I, I don't know what she was picking up on. I got to ask you. You've been to all these shows, and she's been since 1980. She's been going to see uh, Bruce. Did you get any vibe like that, Ron? Well, I've heard him say that he's just going to keep playing as long as he can walk. Good. So I, I yeah. don't think that that's the case. But uh, was he slower? Yes. I mean, uh, well, who wouldn't be? <laughs> well, exactly. So you accept that? I mean, I didn't sit there with my son and say, "Oh." You should have seen him, you know, Good. back in the 80s when he would run around the stage and sliding and he had so much more energy and jumping on the because it was his first show. And uh, and I wanted him to experience it. And he loved it. He was singing along to Born to Run. He oh, was God. singing along to She's the One. He was singing along to Hungry Hearts. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't want to diminish his experience by saying, you know, he used to be better. But that's, you know, objectively, it's true. That but, but again, even a slow Springsteen exactly. is a fast everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah. it was still, you know, it was, it was a celebration of the songs. It was a celebration yeah. of the artist as a great American artist. And uh, it was a celebration of the community of, of Bruce fans because they're they were all there and they were all screaming Bruce and and Dan and I were right there with them. That's right. Dan, so, uh, that, did you go on the same night, Dan, or which night did you? Go? I went Friday. Okay. Um, and I I don't know. Fran was Wednesday, but uh, yeah, second for it being the second night. Uh, I mean, the band was crisp. I was in section one hundred nine, probably kind of down the third base line, mm-hmm. and the sound was carrying all the way back. That was my question, if the sound was good, because you don't, I mean, you got 40,000 people there, and the sound's bouncing off of all of them, and you're wide open. And it's open air, so. Yeah, yeah I was pleasantly surprised, because I had not seen anybody at Wrigley for a concert in 15 years, probably, mm-hmm. so I don't know what's different sound system-wise, but I, I mean, yeah, it was everything I wanted to hear pretty much was, was in the set list. It was a pretty good breadth of his career. Yeah. All the E Street's got their little kind of showcase pieces. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. So speaking of the E Street, I've, I've never been lucky enough to uh, to see or interview Bruce, but I did have uh, the chance several times to interview interview uh, Clarence Clemens. Oh, so that's and awesome. What a cool guy. Uh, that, that was about the time, this would have been in the early 80s when he came out with a solo album, too. And just uh, just some of his descriptions of what it was like working with yeah. with Bruce and just that whole band. It's it's a different vibe than any other band. Yeah, yeah. Just the combination of personalities and kind of yeah. kind of how they came together. You hear Bruce and Little Steven kind of tell the story yeah. of that how that whole Asbury Park scene kind of mm-hmm. came together. You know, in the late '60s, early '70s. And the cool thing is, after all these years, you can tell. They're still digging what they're doing. Sing, uh, exactly. Singing the same songs, but oh my gosh, it's like fresh. 
even though it was like a Friday night, right. they had one night off, everything that I saw from the concert was just amazing. And what was the one you found? Uh, was it Night Shift? Night Shift. The old Yeah, Commodore's they covered Night tune. Shift. Yeah. yeah oh, I that was fantastic. I, I like that whole segment. Uh, they kind of slowed things down a little bit. They did Kitty's Back, uh, uh, you know, a throwback to his second album. Uh, they did the E3, E Street Shuffle, which was yeah. also on the second album. They did Mary's Place, the song that hasn't uh, that they don't usually do. Uh, but it fit right in there, along with Johnny 99 with the horns. It sounded more like Dixieland jazz. Uh-huh. So it was really, really, uh, you know, pleasant and, and nice. He just didn't run around so much anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bruce, it's all right. But <laughs> he's still, can I just say a girl thing here? He still looks damn good in jeans. I mean, I'm like, he's he's tucking his shirt in. He doesn't have a dad belly. <laughs> you know, he's not wearing dad shoes out well, there. Well, th- and God bless him. When you see Springsteen, you know there's no lip sync involved that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no that's true no he's still got a good voice okay quick round robin uh let me start with you brett your first concert uh warped tour when i was in sixth grade really yes uh so the <laughs> did it change you <laughs> i'm one of those weird people who's not a big music person like okay. if it came out from well how did you end up there well, if it came out between like ninety seven and two thousand two, oh, there's okay. a chance I know it, and then that's right. about it. So then you transitioned to sports. That was yeah. Well, yeah, I turned on the radio to sport, yeah. you know sports talk radio, and kind of that's what yeah. I grew up listening to after that. But it was Warp Tour, and on that was the original Blink one eighty two lineup. Yeah, Eminem's first time. Wow. Kind of, he actually got booed off the stage because people weren't real thrilled about him being there. Uh, Ice T was still performing. Oh my gosh! Dropkick Murphys were there, which is—I feel like they've probably been at all of them. But that's kind of maybe all of the bands I can remember. That's but wild. the the real first concert I probably went to and had an experience at was Bon Jovi. Oh, that's so, a good one. Yeah, and yeah. that was—and at the time I had no idea who they were either. So. <laughs> You know, I got okay. to go. I got to go meet them all, and then said, "Hey, I don't know any of your songs." Oh you my know, gosh! But it's go cool. Get, it's go good. get them. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Dan. You your first concert? Uh, I believe this was like early two thousands. I want to say, how's this for a bill? Foreigner, Sticks, and Def Leppard at uh, the Tinley Park Amphitheater. That's cool. good. That's a good lineup. Cool. Uh, uh, Tinley Park Amphitheater. Uh, yeah. You know, just getting in and out of there was a nightmare. Oh, it's always a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Julian, you your first concert. I want to say it was Nine Inch Nails back in 2008. Ooh, Nine Inch Nails. That's a good one. All right, let's go on the Wayback Machine. Run. <laughs> <laughs> and it is way back. Uh, Alice Cooper during the uh, Welcome to My Nightmare tour. Ooh. So it was about 76. Uh, Susie Quattro was the opening act. Cool. Stumbling in. But I don't know if this qualifies or not. I didn't pay for this concert, but I was much younger. Sonny James and the Southern Gentleman at the oh, band show. yeah. Wow. And uh, that was, my mom took me to that. I was yeah. very, very young. I didn't pay for it. So. Oh, that's fun. That's really fun. Steve, yours was? Uh, my first concert at the uh, Civic Opera House, Dick Biondi was the MC. Wow. The Platters, D. Clark. Wow. Uh, Brooke Benton. Wow. Uh, the Jarmels, One Hit Wonders for a Little Bit of Soap. Uh, you got your money's worth. Phil Upchurch, uh, who did You Can't Sit Down, and some other bands who I can't think of. Oh, was that was like that a five-hour show? No, it was about a, a three-hour show with an intermission. That was my first concert. Then my second was the Beatles at Comiskey Park. <laughs> wow. So, And next week is the anniversary. Yes. 
Steve wins. Steve wins. Yeah, yeah, because mine was just Herman's Hermits and Dave Clark Five. Oh, that's cool too. Yeah, it was pretty cool, but I was terrified because I'd never been in a you know a theater with screaming girls that were like throwing themselves off a balcony, and I was eight, and I'm saying to my mother, "Are they going to die?" I didn't know we came, but my mom was a fan of theirs, and she took me along, and I was just uh, I was terrified. It it yeah. I can't remember if it was the Century Theater. I know there was a balcony, and they literally were hanging off the balcony and hanging over people down below. I, I think for, from what you've told me, I'm pretty sure it was, was the, the Century, Century Theater. Yeah. yeah, yeah, golly. Well, that's fun. We've gone all – how many generations do we go? There are about five generations, yep. <laughs> which is pretty cool. We're going to take a break for our news here on WGN. It's time for the shout-out. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, and you you have all of the shout-outs. I write them longhand on a piece of paper the old-fashioned way, and that's why if I stumble over your name, I can't read my own handwriting. By the way, we just got a text from Elgin, an amazing meteor just shot across the sky, and Ron's been talking about the Perseid meteor shower visible tonight. Tonight's the night, so if you've got to be out this evening, look to the skies. And I think it's going to be visible most of the night, but yeah. also into the early morning, morning right? hours, yes. So Elgin checking in, saying an amazing meteor just shot across the sky. Tell the world. Well, we just did that. Um, a shout-out to this radio station's number one friend and fan. I like to say he's an H-O-B-A-R-T that would be your Chuck Stichler, because <laughs> he always says that the S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y goes through his mind every time yeah. he knows we're going to be on the radio. So thank you very much, Chuck. Uh, Ryan Delbus of Elburn, Illinois, is checking in, and Linda Obrensky. Oh, I'm sorry, Linda, I did practice. She's in Plano. David Kaufman in Congerville, Illinois. I don't know where Congerville is. That's a new I, one. I've heard of it, but I... Well, David... With two F's, check in and tell me where I might find Congerville. Uh, Brian Lefevers in Bridgeport, lovely Bridgeport. Gene Jacobson, Milwaukee. Hey, Gene. Bobby Danos, our buddy in Sandwich. He's out there in Sandwich looking forward to the Sandwich Fair and them pork chop sandwiches. Somebody else on Facebook posted a picture of the the Sandwich police cars. <laughs> and they were saying it's a, the best police cars anybody has. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Well, actually, and their fair is one of the best fairs around. Mm -hmm. Is it a pork chop or a pork tenderloin? Uh Uh-oh, we better not start talking food. Let's stop. Let's nix that right now. Okay, moving right along. Uh, Barry Lascor is checking in. Bob Baker and Ron Oltman. Hey, Ron, he's a top fan from Sycamore. Richard Vama is in Lansing, Illinois, and Judy B. will be listening on her podcast because she's kicking her heels up at a wedding right now. Sandy McComas is in Michigan City, Indiana. Ellen Maria Delphine Behrman in Orlando, Florida. Delphine, what a pretty name. She and the family are at Disney. They've been at the Disney um, World as well as Universal and Mm -hmm. said we will be back in our room and we will be listening tonight. Dr. Ivan Kryptosis, who works at the Highway 18 Theater, checking in. Dorothy Orsini from Milwaukee and Peter Juckbowitz. I told him I'd work on that. Ellen Thomas of Kenosha, Linda Johnson, our buddy, Erlene Frederick. Now, Erlene lives 60 miles from here, and she said her house has suddenly turned into a terrestrial wasteland. 
So we get to get Earlene listening on the app on her phone or on her computer. Cause but she I wonder, said, yeah, I saw her post and yeah. she was saying that none of the radios in her house uh, are able to pick up. Uh, WGN or many AM stations, but she says it just happened. So I wonder... Is there something new something... built around her that might be affecting the signal? I don't know. Good question, though. We may have to ask Dan. Yes. Uh, Donna Youngheim of Oak Lawn and John Couture, who is a Second City student these days. Good for you, John. Donna Novak or Nowak of Hayward, Wisconsin. Sh- uh, Sharon Malone is up in Kenosha. Dean is in Indianapolis. And Robin is in Dyer, and Susan with a Z is listening, and Don in Kalamazoo, speaking of Zs, and Mary Gold and Tinley. And uh, that's some of the folks who are tuned in tonight, and we do appreciate that. And you can sign in uh, throughout the afternoon on Saturday and tell us where you're listening, because we post what's coming up on the show, and we do have a big show coming up tonight. Oh, by the way, uh, Jim Gajewski checks in from Aurora, my old stomping grounds. Hey, Jim. And you can uh, call or text us at 312-981-7200 throughout the show. And we're very active on our Facebook page. And that's where you can see what's coming up on the show. You can interact with us through the week. We put things up during the week, including the bumps from our program. That's a new feature. But along with our Facebook page. So there are two pages we would like you to pay attention to. One is our Facebook page, and that's facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. The other is our blog. And we'd really like you to... Uh, to take a look at our blog and subscribe to our blog. doesn't cost anything. We don't spam you. You just get an email anytime we put a new post in. One of the reasons we're putting a little more emphasis on our blog these days, A, we're doing more things with it. B, social media is getting a little strange. Er, stranger. And uh, th- there was a case earlier this week where Johnny had posted something in a Facebook group, and... It was very innocuous. I I really am shocked, and I got a message from Facebook that said, you need to take that down or we're going to put you in jail. Now, I didn't know they would warn you and give you the option of of correcting whatever you did wrong, but I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah, I I saw what you posted, and I couldn't figure that out either. But, But Facebook, they have a weird algorithm, so the point is... We're putting a little more emphasis on our blog, and we'd appreciate it if you could uh, check out our blog at Steve and Johnny, S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E dot WordPress dot com. Steve and Johnny dot WordPress dot com. That's where you will find uh, links to our podcast, and we always post on our blog. We've started doing for the past couple of weeks the bumps that we do on a show with links to the YouTube pages that have the, uh, the various videos. So we're putting a lot more stuff on our blog, and we'd appreciate it if you would check it out now. Yeah. Now. And sometimes we put things on our blog that we haven't put on the Facebook page, like some pictures making yep. over there. Um, but again, you, uh, when you interact with us, whether it's on the blog or it's on our Facebook page, that's really us. We don't have people that take yeah. care of those things. So if you have a question or there's something that's on your mind, you can communicate with us that way. Just as you can on the show, you can text us throughout the show at 312-981-7200. And uh, we will read your text throughout the show. I'll try to respond to you if you have a question about something that's come up. And of course, remember that number two at any point if you want to call in and talk with us, 312 981 Time now for a break here on WGN. 
That's King Curtis and Memphis Soul Stew. That's the song that you hear in the background of, uh, what is the commercial? It's the Um, Amazon Prime Chef commercial. Yeah. Because I turned to you the first time we heard that, I said, who's that? And a lot of commercials are using some really good songs, and I hope that the the estates for these musicians are, are, are reaping the benefit. Because now, that song came out in the mid-60s when I was first in radio. That's King Curtis, who had a huge hit with um, Soul Twist. Mm-hmm. In fact, a little later, we may try to dig up Soul Twist. Uh, and he also played, uh, played saxophone on any of a number of hit records. Uh, he was on... Uh, Oh, one of the uh, one of the Buddy Holly songs. Anyhow, it's a uh, King Curtis. It's cool. It's mm-hmm. Memphis Soul Stew, and, and <laughs> there you have it. So coming up tonight. Oh boy! Yes, if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, you probably don't know that coming up in the next hour, we're going to be talking to B O Z O Bozo. Yes, the real bozo. Yes, boys and girls, the real bozo. There were two bozos at WGN-TV, and I think if you grew up in the 60s and in the 70s, you know bozo was Bob Bell. And then in 1984, this young guy came along, and he became our bozo for 17 years till the end of the bozo show on WGN-TV. And I'm just tickled that we get to talk to Joey Dioria coming up after 10 o'clock tonight. And he's going to be in town uh, the uh, 19th of August. He's going to be doing an appearance at the Wheaton All Night Flea Market. Which is, if you've never been there, it's crazy. It's It's wonderful. It It is is this huge, big, all-night hang. And we were there several years ago. The first time we were out there, how were we working it? We had to be there at midnight, remember? They hired us to come out there at midnight. Yeah, and then we did it. A second time, we did, uh, we, we did when uh, when our book came out. And we were there with uh, TV stars. Yes. Like from the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that first time, I think the, the flea market was kind of new, and they came to us because we were the all-night people. Right. And I remember taking my mom and dad out there, and we stayed till like four in the morning shopping. But it is just—it's a huge mass of humanity. It is so much fun, and they have so many stars coming out for it next week. Yeah. They have a, a guy from um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the first movie, mm-hmm. and uh, a girl from uh, Little House on the Prairie. And Bozo is going to be there, yeah. and he's going to tell us all about what he's been up to for the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, a little later tonight, uh, a guy that we first introduced you to when we were down in Panama City Beach, and we were broadcasting from the Gulf Coast College down there, uh, Aaron Bearden. He's a, a friend of ours. He owns Instant Replay Sports Cards. He was. He is now in town for this huge thing that's going on in Rosemont. Fan Expo that's going on in Rosemont with quite a star-studded lineup i can't Mm -hmm. wait to see who he's had a chance to see because he's been here from the beginning of it on thursday michael j fox was supposed to be there today susan sarandon was going to be there um yesterday uh henry winkler i I, i'm just scratching the surface that they had some great names there 
just remembering some movies like oh, um, uh, National Lampoon mm-hmm. with uh, one of the Qua- Randy Quaid. Right, he was there too. Which I bet he was a stitch and a half. <laughs> so we'll talk to uh, Taryn about uh, sports collectibles. We're going to be doing a, a series of things about collectibles. We did that for years, and we're going to start doing it yeah. again. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about sports collectibles. A little later tonight, Jim Peterick, our buddy from the Ides of March and Survivor. Jim will be joining us. And then uh, we'll talk some cars with uh, Tom Appel. And uh, also going to talk about some crash test stuff with, with Tom. Some interesting mm-hmm. crash test videos. And uh, one real interesting commercial, too. Yeah, yeah. In that, fact, uh, on the, um, the CG Daily Drive um, site, uh, he has a great piece about um, car commercials through the ages. Some of the best car commercials. There's some really good ones out there now. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of them really stand out, and we'll talk about those. I want to get back over to Julian real quick, because I want last week after the show, we found out that Julian lives this life that's... <laughs> quite interesting <laughs> you make me sound cooler than i am no shh. this is radio we're all better looking and cooler <laughs> on the radio uh you got to see the producers this week oh i did and that that's at the north shore isn't it north shore Correct. performing yeah. arts which is a lovely theater it's so nice and they have multiple theaters in there yeah yes yes easy to park. last time we were up there we saw oh the guitarist Pizzarelli. uh john Pizzarelli. yes yes great acoustics so what did you think of the play i thought it was fantastic you've seen two plays this month uh and i have a third next week what are you saying uh, it's called No Man's Land. Oh. It's it's a it's a play. It's not there's no music to it. Okay. It's um it's a um I'm trying to remember the guy's name. It's hang on. I, I just did this with Paul. I um I thought you were gonna say you're gonna get out to see MJ. I wish. Everybody Steve, Everybody's raving about Steve that. Steve Dale yeah. was over the moon about it. Oh my god, get that? little moonwalking i guess the guy that's playing michael jackson is amazing so good feedback on that one so look at you going to the theater what's uh this guy for the play that's coming up is Uh, so no man's land it's a it's a play by harold pinter oh okay and it's it's just four men the whole time Hmm. most of the time okay and it's uh i don't know much about it but i'm interested and we, we interviewed the cast Okay. Me and Paul. Well, he did the interview. I just sat there. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to it. Well, this is great, though, because your other interests besides radio, photography, and theater. Yeah. We just learned that about you last week. And smooth jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing to add to that, I just auditioned for a play. Well, this is the one that Ashley Byhun is involved with. Yes, yes, yes. And? Um, I got two roles. <gasps> cool. Yay! They're, they're, sh- they're brief little... Uh, yeah. plays a mix of things i'm not in ashley's play okay but i'm in a few of her other fellow directors well, plays. When, when is this going to happen um i believe the eighth and the ninth it'll be three shows total september yes yes and, have- and where is it going to be westchester are you going to be off work that saturday night uh-oh whoops <laughs> i'm gonna have to talk to ashley about that I wish you could see the look on uh, Julian's face right now. Oh, Ooh, what? Ooh, oh uh. okay. I signed on for this, and I've got two parts, and now I, did, I hadn't thought about that. I always forget what days of the week are on certain days. 
Yes. I I know just because I got a birthday that week. But, you know, really, you don't need to write that down or anything, folks. Write it down. <laughs> September 5th. Stop it. <laughs> it's not Labor Day. She turns 21. It's not Labor Day this year. My mother, God bless her, never, ever mm-hmm. ceased to remind me that I was actually born on Labor Day. For 21 hours of Labor Day, I was being birthed. <laughs> but who was counting? That's right. Your mom sure was. <laughs> she said, Labor Day. It wasn't funny. I got sick of people going, wah, 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 Labor Day. Not funny at all. So they named it after you then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was it. That's great. <laughs> What a tribute. <laughs> right. No, actually, I was born in a small town in Tennessee, and it's a town that had a big, big party and parade on Labor Day. And I think that's why she always <laughs> held it against me, because she didn't get to go to the parade where it was 110 degrees and stand out on the street when you're nine, nine and a half months pregnant. Gosh, I, I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> Should have been thanking you. That's right. (laughs) And that's when you'll be putting away all your whites, of course. Yes. you got to press them and put them away because, baby, that's it. No more wearing that white stuff, right? Okay. (laughs) We grew up watching Bozo the Clown. On WGN-TV, the show was so very popular for four decades. In fact, at one point, there was an eight- to ten-year waiting list to get tickets. That was the norm. That was, yes, that's, um, it's just hard to wrap your mind around that. People would be pregnant and they'd ride away for tickets so that they could take their kid when the, the kid was in elementary school. Well, there were only two bozos on WGN TV. One was Bob Bell, and the other one was Bozo for 17 years, and he's our guest tonight. He's Joey DiOrio. Joey, how are you tonight? Hey, Joey. I'm just great. Hello. How Hello. wonderful to be on the air with you. Well, thank you so much. I, I, was, I, was, I was telling Johnny that uh, I was suddenly realizing that one of the first times I was on your uh, on your radio program was during the Lombard Lilac Parade. That's right. That was in, uh, You had just started at WGN as Bozo, right? That's right. And uh, I, I had to go and do a parade, and I was told that someone would come to the station and pick me up. And it was raining cats and dogs. It was just torrential outside. And I, I, I started thinking, did they forget me? Did they cancel the parade? And I could hear your broadcast going on through the lobby, because back then you, you, were, you were doing your show from uh, upstairs at WGN on Bradley Place. Right, right. Yeah. And so, then, so I went upstairs and I crashed your show. <laughs> I just imagine on that linoleum, those big feet flop, flop, flopping down the hall, and you wanted to go on the radio. I do recall this. You wanted to find out if it was still happening out in Lombard, and people called in yeah. and said, yes, it is. As soon as it stops raining, we're going to have that parade, and then they, they whisked <laughs> you away. I don't recall, Did back in the day, were you able to ride in a car with your hair? It was so big. Um well, usually it had to be a, a minivan, something <laughs> something with enough headroom to get me in there. Right. <laughs> well, I will never forget the night, that uh, the afternoon. Johnny and I just came into Bradley Place, and we see some people carrying this big box. And we said, what's in the box? And they said, Bozo's hair is in the box. <laughs> I said, like, let me just look at it, please. <laughs> Can we take you back to the beginning, Joey? Because you were, you were living out in California, right, in the yeah, early right. 80s. And uh, what happened? You got wind that, the, as an actor, you got wind that there was an audition for... Yeah. 
a clown at WGN TV in Chicago? Get get that straight for us. Well, um, well, I I had just done the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I had done my Doctor Flamo act, yeah. and. Um, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to interrupt for a second. I'm going to interrupt sure. for a second and say the Dr. Flamo act was the act that you did several times on the Gong Show. Yes, yes, and that, that's where I first did it. Uh, all right, we'll go back even further. I was mm-hmm. taking an improv comedy class, and somebody came in one day and said, Chuck Barris is so desperate for acts, he's paying people <laughs> to come on the show, get booed off the stage, and collect after minimum, which back then was $150, mm-hmm. and was, at the time, my rent. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you said, sign me up. Yeah. I think I did three or four really bad acts before I came up with uh, Dr. Flamo, and I was expecting to get booed off the stage, but I won. <laughs> Your claim to fame, you won. I, well, you know, the, the thing is, the first prize back then was $1,000. Oh. Unless... You wanted the trophy. Then it was $850. They took the the price of the trophy out of your winnings if you wanted the trophy. Now, now we we should back up for a second and say, for for people who don't know what Dr. Flamo was, you would literally hold your hand over different size candles, and the heat from the candles supposedly would cause you to generate a different sounding scream. (laughs) And yeah, you would sing songs. Smoke gets in your eyes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I never saw you on the Gong Show, but I do recall you on the Johnny Carson Show. So he, you were seen on the Gong Show, and then you were brought over to the Carson Show as their comedy act, right? Well, yeah, it was very interesting because um, the first person who booked me was Milt Larson, the man who founded the the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Well, Milt, Milt passed away recently. In fact, I was I was in town for his memorial service. Uh, he was a great guy. And um, he had just opened up this club called the Variety Arts Center and was trying to get, um, you know, high roller uh, TV people interested in joining. And he, had, he was head writer for the Jim Neighbors uh, Variety Show. Oh, my gosh. And, and I had just gotten a job as a waiter there. And... I'm, I'm waiting on his table, and I'm serving their drinks. And as I'm walking around, I hear Jim Neighbors say to Milt Larson, so what's this comedy act you want to book on the show? And Milt said, oh, I've got a call into Chuck Barris. The act is called um, El Flamo. <sighs> and it, it stunned me for a moment, and I went, uh, excuse me. And all the eyes turned to the waiter. And I said, are you talking about the guy that burns his hands to smoke gets in your eyes? And Milt said, yes. I said, the name of the act is Dr. Flamo, not El Flamo. And he went, that's incredible. Do you know him? And I said, sir, I am him. (laughs) And and he turns to Jim Neighbors and he says, only in Hollywood can the actor you're looking for be your waiter. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So then through him, that was a connection to The Tonight Show. Yes, uh, Milt was uh, Milt was uh, presenting some magicians for Jim McCulley, who was Johnny Carson's casting uh, director. And one of the actor, one of the magicians, did a very messy act. And he said to me, "Would you mind going in front of the uh, curtain, do Doctor Flamo, 
so we can clean up the stage for the next magician. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I come out with the candles, and I do it, and Jim McCulley had a, had a reputation among comedians. He never laughed. He would go to the comedy store and all the, the comedy clubs, and he would just stare at you, trying to analyze what made your act funny. But I was lucky because he had two, two guests with him that night. He had Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. Oh. <laughs> and Tim Conway fell off his chair laughing. So uh, that, that, was, that was incredible. Oh, I guess. All right, we're going to take and, a quick and break. And that's how I, I got booked on, on, on The Tonight Show. Hold your thought, because and that's going to bring you to Chicago, and we are going to yeah. get the rest of that story from our guest, Bozo. Yes, if you grew up in Chicago, if you were here in the 80s and 90s, if you had kids, this is the guy that you were watching mm-hmm. on WGN-TV. Stay with us here on WGN. There's not a lot of good clown songs, but we decided this is one of our love favorites. This. Yes. This is, I don't know why this wasn't a hit. for the, This is the Hollies, and it's called yeah. Clown Service. What a great song. 1975. And by the way, things that are available on the Internet, you can actually find... Joey Doria's performance as Dr. Flamo on the Gong Show. It's on the internet and it is crazy. Joey is our guest right now. Okay, Joey, you 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 did your thing. You were uh, let me interrupt and the blatant plug light has just gone off and we should mention that Joey is going to be appearing August 19th at the Wheaton All Night Flea Market. Right. In person. It's going to be really you, right? <laughs> Yes, it will be me. Uh, people have asked if I was going to be in costume, and uh, I'm afraid not. The, uh, most of my stuff is either at the Broadcast Museum or it's, or it's still at WGN. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I will be as me. And um, for many years, uh, Larry Harmon would not let me do this sort of thing. But um, uh, ever since David Arquette has acquired the Bozo uh, copyright, he has been very generous in allowing me to to go out and and, and do these things and and see people. Well, well so was it? Been very but is it true that one of the first things that David did after he got all of the the rights to Bozo was that he contacted you and said, "Hey, do this." Well, it's not that he he contacted me. Actually, he he contacted me at first because he's putting together a documentary about uh, clowns and Bozo in general. And um, back when, before Larry Harmon acquired Bozo, he did a thing called uh, Commander Comet or something like that. He played mm. a, a science fiction uh, kids show character. And he was in the same studio with David Arquette's grandfather, oh. Charlie Weaver, Cliff Arquette. Oh my gosh, wow. that's right. I forgot about that. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize that Larry Harmon bought the character from Capitol Records, mm-hmm. and they right. really didn't know how to market it, as I understand it. They just It just didn't go anywhere. He ran with it, and... Oh, he did. Yeah, and, know, and, what, and what, Joey, mm-hmm. did, didn't he hold on to it even through the, the times when WGN-TV tried to buy it from him at a pretty penny, and he just said, nope, I ain't selling. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, um, Chuck Swilling, who was, uh, yes, Chuck Swilling, who was the program director at the time, pretty much got authorization from the Tribune Company to buy Bozo the Clown. And from what I understand, they offered him a very hefty salary, well, a very hefty fee for the character, plus a, a continuing salary for the rest of his life. Wow. 
but um, he wanted to take over the show if, if uh, GN uh, did it, and uh, they said, no, we want to do it our way, mm-hmm. and he, he pretty much uh, nixed the deal. Now, for people who don't know, that there were various bozos licensed in different markets, but to my knowledge, not just because we work for WGN, none of them was as successful as the WGN bozo show. In fact, when you came to Chicago, you knew you were getting a gig, but were you surprised by how many people loved this character and, and by how big it was? It was, it was surprising. Uh, believe it or not, I had had a part-time job working at Universal Studios at the time. And uh, back then, television stations would buy syndicated television shows. Mm-hmm. And WGN was running the uh, Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk series. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that I knew out there at Universal was a kid named Bob Fole. And they flew him and his makeup man to Chicago and they put him in the torn pants and the green body paint and the wig, and they had him running around Daily uh, Daily Square with a giant Christmas tree ball uh, <laughs> as part of a promotion for WGN running the Hulk. And he even did a guest appearance on the Bozo Show with uh, Bob Bell and, and Roy Brown. And he brought the tape back, and we saw it. And basically, he and the makeup man were telling all of us in the break room, he says, you can't believe how big Bozo is in Chicago, because he was from New York, Mm -hmm. uh, as was I. And there were Bozo shows all across the country. But he said, but there's nothing like this Chicago show. So you then are working, you're waiting tables, you're a stage actor, and you get contacted to come to Chicago. Why, Al Hall was the producer at that time, why did he call you? It, it Was it because well, of Dr. Flamo? Well, actually, I called him. Mm-hmm. They, they held an audition in Chicago. I know they saw hundreds of people here in Chicago. And they also uh, held auditions at KTLA Studios, which is a sister station to mm-hmm. WGN in, right. in Hollywood. And... Ah, uh, when I heard about that audition, I made up my mind right then and there that I wasn't going to go uh, <laughs> because I knew so many guys that were ex circus clowns, ex jugglers, mimes, Venice Beach Street entertainers. I figured I don't have any clowning experience. These guys do. I'm not going to embarrass myself and stand on a long line. So, uh, in fact, one day I was driving by KTLA uh, Studios, and I saw a line of guys in clown makeup stretched for almost three blocks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after the auditions were over, a, a month or two went by, and my wife read an article in the uh, Christian Science Monitor, as, as it was, that uh, which was an interview with Al Hall saying they still hadn't found what they wanted. Oh. They said, we found lots of clowns and lots of jugglers, but... But these are actors that don't talk. We need an actor who is an improv comedian, somebody who knows old vaudeville and burlesque sketch comedy who isn't 110 years old. <laughs> and my wife said, you know, they did everything but put your name in this article. <laughs> so I called Chicago. I got a hold of Al Hall, and I said, I'd, I'd like to audition. I've read the article, and these are my credentials. And he said, well, send us a tape. We have to make a decision by the end of the week. So I sent him a tape. I FedExed it and got it right out there to him. 
And about three weeks went by, <laughs> so I, I figured I, I didn't get the part. And then one night, as I went one night, one morning, I'm getting my son ready for school, and uh, the phone rings, and it's Al Hall, and he says, "We'd like you to come out to audition." And I said, "Oh, when?" He says, uh, "We're we're uh, FedExing you a, a plane ticket and some scripts. We'd like you here by Friday." I said, "Okay." So uh, I got the scripts, and I got on the plane, and I flew to Chicago. And I uh, walked into the uh, studio number one, and there was Roy Brown sitting there with oh, Frazier Thomas. Yeah. And the first thing Roy said to me was, uh, I broke my leg in three places. And I said, don't go in those places. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at Al and said, so far, so good. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, um, I came in, and we read through the scripts. And then they said, we'd like to see you in makeup. So I said, okay. And they had hired a makeup artist, you know, just to make it faster. And they, they put me in the makeup and one of Bob Bell's old suits and wigs. And as I was just getting out of the makeup chair, Roy Brown comes in, fully dressed as Cookie. And he says, hey, we're in luck. This is going to be the biggest audience we've had yet for an audition. Oh. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> and apparently... You know, they gave people an opportunity to come to the station and see the auditions, uh, you know, instead of waiting 10 years for their tickets. And, oh. and a lot of people took them up on the offer. But they didn't tell you. So I, okay. I, I, me, no. I, I'm going I'm to I'm gonna hit the pause button. Okay. Hold that thought. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, we have to take a break, and we will come back and find out what else happened at the audition. We'll be right back with the Bozo Show after these messages. And now, back to the Bozo Show. Hi, welcome back. Hey, I got an important question to ask you. <laughs> Are you all set for lots of fun and fabulous prizes? Well, they are, and I really hope you are, too, because it's now time to play Bozo's Grand Prize Game! And the crowd goes wild. And, uh, and my heart flutters because I'm thinking of the thrill of being in the audience for the Grand Prize Game. We're talking about WGN-TV's Bozo Show. It is amazing in the history of television, specifically locally produced children's television. This one is hands down the most successful. And there were only two bozos. One was Bob Bell. And the other is our guest on the phone tonight, and he's coming to the area next Saturday. And he's going to be out in the Wheaton uh, it's the flea market. We were talking about it being an all-night flea yeah. market, but he's not going to be there all night long. <laughs> Joey Doria is going to be there from 3 in the afternoon till 1 in the morning. Right, Joey? That's right. Now, when when, when we left, I, uh, when we, uh, left I'm uh, taking off the pause button. You were going to do your audition, but there was going to be a whole audience for a, your audition. A live audience that no one told you about. No one told me. I was a little annoyed at first, but then I realized, 
you know, what the heck? I'm in clown makeup. These people don't know who I am. <laughs> can I just say that it, 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 it is... Um, they'll never see me again. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can I just say that it's a little odd to hear you not in character, sir? Oh, this is our news guy. Uh, Gabe is, is kind of freaking out because it's like, wait, you're Bozo, but you're not in. You're not doing that Bozo voice. <laughs> but you can still do the Bozo. Yeah. Well, you know, once I had that nose on, everything became a lot more adenoidal. There we go. <laughs> That's great. Okay. <laughs> so when when you did that audition, obviously there was some great magic between you and Cookie. And, there was a real chemistry. Yeah. And, and, and am I wrong? Or even though you had scripts, part mm-hmm. of the magic were the ad libs and you guys no. reacting to each other. Well, you know, you see, the thing is, and that was where that was where they had uh, problems with the people who auditioned because they either needed a full script or they were not acts that that did a lot of talking. I I realized after watching a a couple of Bozo shows while I was still in California, a friend of mine got WGN on the satellite, and uh, he he taped a few shows for me, and I, I watched them over at his house. And I realized, ah, they need somebody to be Abbott to this guy's Costello. And... And that was, you know, immediately, you know, where it went. They needed somebody to be the straight man. <laughs> and um, and I think that that is where I kind of had the edge, because I realized that was what they were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I had a good time. And uh, as, as the audience was, was leaving uh, after my audition, there was a 12-year-old boy there who kind of looked at me and gave me a rather friendly shot in the shoulder and said, you're done good. I hope you get the job. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so Chicago. You know, you're done good, buddy. <laughs> how, how long was it before you found out that you got the gig? Uh, well, as uh, I was taking as I was taking the makeup off and the costume and getting dressed, because I had to catch a plane to go home, Al Hall comes running in and he says, nice job, nice job. We have to make a decision by the end of next week. And I went, Okay. Anyway, three weeks went by, <laughs> and I figured, well, I, I didn't get it. And once again, I was uh, uh, giving my, my son breakfast uh, so that I could drive him to school, and the phone rings, and my wife gets it, and it's Al Hall. And he says, we'd like you to come back uh, next Tuesday. And I went, oh, is, is, is this a callback? And he went, huh? No, 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 we're offering you the job. No. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, that L was like that. Yes. <laughs> so, Joey, what did your son say when he found out that his dad was going to be Bozo the Clown on television? Well, again, we were on the West Coast. He had not grown up with the Bozo show. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Both his mother and I were in show business, so this was just one more acting gig to him. Ah, yeah. So, it, you know, it, 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 I think it took a while before he, he realized what it was that I did mm-hmm. and, uh, and what the character meant to Chicago. When you came to Chicago, and uh, I, I was laughing about this the other day, I was thinking about, I was filling out one of these many pieces of paper that they give you at a doctor's office, and they ask what you, you do for your employment. Did you write down bozo, or did you say actor? <laughs> uh, I put down, uh, let's see, uh, 
television personality WGN TV. Ah, okay, okay. I was yeah. thinking Bozo T Clown. Yeah, right, buddy. Okay, tell us really, mm-hmm. what did you do for a living? You know. So my uh, my my first week in Chicago, I I was you know racing back and forth between WGN and getting downtown because. Uh, at that time, GN was putting me up at the uh, in the Hancock building. Oh. They, GN keeps a, uh, a an apartment there, and I got stopped by a cop, and I got pulled over and given a ticket. And uh, the court date was on one of my first days of shooting the show. Oh, so I had to contact a lawyer, and I and I sat down with a lawyer, and I said, "Listen, I just can't go in. I've I, I, I've really got to do this show." And they said, right, I'll tell you what, I'll take care of it. And so the lawyer goes in, and the uh, the call comes up, and uh, the judge says, uh, how does your client plead? And he said, well, Your Honor, he said, uh, do you really think we should be, you know, fining Bozo the Clown? <laughs> and the judge looked at my lawyer, and he went, what? That guy again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and... And and my lawyer was was stunned. He went, uh, "Your Honor, uh, my client assures me this is his first ticket." And he went, "Oh, is this the new guy?" And, oh. and the lawyer said, "Yes." And he said, "Well, he's falling into the footsteps of the other guy." Oh, 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 wow! <laughs> wow! So when you got settled in here. Because this is just mm-hmm. such a fascinating life. I just can't imagine this. It was hard work. I mean, it, it was it was fun for us to watch you. But I have to imagine there are days when, I mean, you're, you're dealing with children. I mean, what was one of the most embarrassing things that happened to you when you were bozo? Uh, embarrassing. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I'm sure you remember Fraser Thomas. Oh, sure. Right. Ranger Thomas was a stickler for the rules. He he thought that things should be done the right way. And what would happen is, when they gave out the tickets for the kids to possibly get drawn to play the grand prize game, the rule was the kid had to be no, no younger than eight. Mm-hmm. And women would walk in with a toddler in their arms, and they'd demand a ticket, and they'd say, well, he has to be eight. How old is how old is your child? And the mothers would more often than not say, "He's eight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was it was it was very funny because a lot of times the kids would just break down in tears out of you know fear of, of, yeah. of, of having to to go in front of everyone. And it was not the kid that wanted to play. You could just see. <laughs> You can see the look on the mother's face like, this is what I wanted. Yes. Why are you not wanting to do this? But we would we would get toddlers. Now, sometimes if the child didn't want to do it, we'd have to draw again. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, if it was a sweet, happy kid, they'd be glad to come up. And they'd be there with me, and I would give them the first ping pong ball, and they'd drop it in. And then I'd give them the second ping pong ball, and they would walk to bucket number two <laughs> yes. and put it in. And 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 poor Fraser would just get apoplectic because <laughs> he was like, no. And he would look at me and he'd say, hold him! Hold him! And I'm going, I'm not going to hold him. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's great. Said, if it means that much to you, you, you hold him! <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Joey, hang on. We're going to take a break. Joey Duario was Bozo for 17 years. And I mean, the the stories, the behind the scenes, this, this is just a wonderful opportunity to get a little taste of what it was like to be the Bozo. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. And we're talking... Not just clowns. We're talking about the clown, yep. Bozo T. Clown. And you should make it out to the world-famous Wheaton, Illinois, all-night flea market, Saturday, August 19th, 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. is when the flea market is going to be going on, and that's when you're going to be able to see our friend Joey Diorio. And Joey, are you going to bring some of your memorabilia with you? Actually, I've, I've got quite a bit of uh, old Bozo buttons and uh, some old pictures of myself with Wizzo and Cookie. Aww. and uh, I've got a few uh, new pictures. In fact, I, I even have a picture of me with um, with Bob Collins. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and, and another one with, uh, with Bozo and, and Harry Carey and Steve Stone. Oh, my gosh. You just made me think. I, I think somewhere in our photo archives... There may be a photo of it was a Sunday afternoon, and it I think it was either the boo at the zoo or something like that. Johnny was still working for WCLR doing traffic, and we were out at the Brookfield Zoo with you for this special boo at the zoo thing, and in costume. We wound up going into, before uh, all of the public stuff was going on, we had a brunch with you. And you were dressed, you were in full full bozo regalia, and um, it was kind of life-changing for me to hear you uh, go blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blue bozo. Blue bozo. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, you know, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I, I did a lot of stand-up comedy, and... Yeah. Uh, and uh, since it was an adult audience, that's right. I played to the crowd. You did. But, uh, we had a, we've had a good time. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, I I loved going to the zoos. The um, huh, the, there there was one I think at in fact it was at Brookfield. Um, they they brought me into this uh, great ape room, and there was a, a whole bunch of mandrels. Uh, these are large, very powerful, vicious apes. And uh, they have uh, they have a lot of blue in their fur, and the males have large red noses. <laughs> and uh, as I was walking by the um, as I was walking by the enclosure, the uh, the females tended to brachiate in my direction rather <laughs> seductively. <laughs> and, oh my gosh! <laughs> and, and the large male became very angry that his. Uh, his young ladies were uh, were falling for a new uh, big ape. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, as you're telling all these stories, I keep thinking: Have you ever done, or are you going to do a book? You have wonderful stories and a wonderful way of telling them. Uh, actually, I, I am pulling together a, a lot of stuff, and I am I am working with a uh, with a writer to to, to kind of help me put them together. Good. Good, good, good. Because we're just scratching the surface as we talk to you. And whenever, if you don't mind, we'd like to book you in advance. When the book comes out, let's do a book release party 
on the air yes. with you. Yes. I would absolutely love it. <laughs> well, what are you doing now? Because the show ended in 91. You and the family went back west. And I, I know you haven't stopped working as an actor, also a voice actor. You've been very successful with that. Uh, is, is that basically what the last three decades have, have meant for you? Um, I, I got back in touch with a lot of friends of mine who worked in the voiceover field, and, and I started doing a lot of cartoon voices again. Uh, I also uh, did a lot of theater. Uh, I was I was in a number of plays that that went out to uh, Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> um, so I've you know I've 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 been I've tried to keep busy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's been wild. You were uh, uh, the uh, cartoons. Let me hold you there. Tom and Jerry, one of the uh, cartoons, Jerry, right? Uh, I was in uh, the Loud House. I played a ghost by the name of Buzz. Huh. Um, I, I did uh, a Japanese anime uh, project called Yokai Watch, hmm. in which I was the voice of, of Whisper, the yokai butler. <laughs> and uh, I, I did a few video games, including um, uh, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I played a, a character called um, Alistair Azimuth. Wow. And, and, and things like that. Just, yeah. just kind of keep you busy. Is there a particular website uh, where people can follow you? Um, I, I, I I do have a, some stuff on Facebook, but I, I am going to be putting together a, a website very soon. But you, you have an active Facebook page with uh, Bozo fans, right? Yes, I do. So again, you can follow and, you can follow Joey there, and um, you, Joey, you've got the greatest look today. I just feel like your look translates to a character. That we got to find a character for you to be without makeup. Yes, well, that would, well. Here's an interesting thing. Whereas David Arquette has Bozo, uh, did you know that Mark Wahlberg now owns Captain Kangaroo? No, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> How could and, uh, I was I was going to contact his office, yeah. but you know, well, straight going on right now, nobody's taking any calls. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um in, in fact, um when when you're at the show, I guess it, it they don't stop you from doing shows as an after sag member, right? Well, no, not not in the case of this. It's um, some of the people who are currently in shows that were in production or are, you know, have been recorded and are being about to be broadcast, they're having a little difficulty making appearances at a lot of the Comic-Cons oh. because that's considered promoting a show that is currently on. Got mm. it. So okay. a lot of people are, are not doing that right now. Well, I've got to tell you, anytime you want to talk on the radio, this place is yours on yeah, Saturday the, the, night. This is your home. This has been such a treat to just to reconnect with you. And well, and, and, and I, so I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface, Joey. I'm like, oh, I, I know there's so many stories for you to tell. And especially when we, if, you know, if we did something after midnight, you could really get down and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I have one last story to tell you. Okay. Do I have time for one story? Sure. One of my favorite Bozo events was the Columbus Day Parade in oh, Chicago. Yes. And as an Italian, someone once said, is Bozo Italian? I said, his name ends in a vowel. <laughs> <laughs>
WGN was running, uh, you know, uh, a syndicated show uh, that came out of Canada called The Untouchables. Yes. Based on the old Robert Stack show from the 50s. Right. And I got a call one night from a guy who said, Mr. Dioria, as a proud Italian-American, we assume you are very upset with WGN running this show. I said, have you seen it? He says, no, sir, I refuse to watch it. I says, well, I can't say that I blame you. It's a terrible show. Don't worry about it. It won't last one season. Anyway, they uh, they were upset with me for not refusing to go on the air until GN took it off. Oh. But they tried to pressure WGN by saying, you cannot be in the Columbus Day Parade. Well, this made the general manager so angry, he commissioned a new float, the biggest, gaudiest float <laughs> that they could build. And it had a giant eight-foot-tall cameraman carved out of styrofoam and painted. And in front of him was a big wooden replica of a WGN camera. And it was like, like, like a masthead on a, on, on a ship. And I'm on the float with Randy Salerno and 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 uh, and Allison, and uh-huh. we're starting we're starting to you know go down State Street, and of course, State Street at that time had been under construction. Uh, there, there were potholes in it; you could lose a Volkswagen in, mm-hmm. and the the float was crocking back and forth, and the and the wooden. Uh, the wooden uh, camera fell off, so now we just had this giant uh, styrofoam <laughs> man, <laughs> and 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 the new uh, head of publicity at GN bought two Italian flags and jammed them <gasps> through is... the wrist of the styrofoam man, and she said, "How does that look?" I said, "Like Luca Brazzi and The Godfather." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're starting up over the bridge, and I'm looking down at State Street, and I'm seeing the L tracks uh-huh. that go across Wacker. Yeah. Oh, and I'm no. looking at them, and I'm saying, oh. we're not going to clear. And uh, Allison got very annoyed with me. I said, these people are professionals. They know every bridge, every tunnel, every every street in Chicago. And just as she said that, it caught the guy, the L tracks caught the guy right in the <laughs> middle of his forehead, and the head snapped off. <laughs> So now we've got this headless guy with two Italian flags in his oh, wrist, no. and we're on our way to the reviewing station. And, I'm, and I turned to her and I said, you know, as if the Italians aren't mad enough at us, <laughs> we've got a headless corpse on the front of our float with two Italian flags in his wrist. Oh, Joey, I hate to do this. That's a wonderful yeah. place to end. But we are up against the clock. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time tonight. And we're going to do this again, I promise you. More coming up. Stay with us. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. I'm ready to play center field. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about some sports collectibles tonight. Yep. And uh, a return visit from a, uh, a guy we first introduced you to when we were hanging out in the panhandle of Florida. Right, because he um, he calls Panama City his home, and he is the owner and operator of a cool little place called Instant Replay Sports Cards and deals in sports collectibles and really opened my eyes to the whole business of sports cards when he was on with us. He is Aaron Bearden, and he's in the studio with us tonight. Hi, Aaron. Hey, hello. Hey, you are here for this cool thing called Fan Expo, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's been a, a blast. Yeah, I I feel so silly because I knew it was going to happen because we talked last week about Beetlefest, which is going on at the same time, but I didn't know that there was this 
unbelievable lineup of big name stars that came in for this. Absolutely. Who have yeah. you seen? It's oh boy. Uh, the cast of Back to the Future, no. Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, Leah no. Thompson, uh, the Lost Boys, Kiefer Sutherland is there, Jason Patrick, Young Guns, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips from La Bamba, uh, a lot of Star Wars people. Did um, I hear that Susan Sarandon was supposed to be there? She, uh, Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick, both from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. How cool. Yeah, uh, the National Lampoon's Vacation. Not uh, Randy Quaid. You've got Randy Quaid. <laughs> you've got uh, Dana Barron and Anthony Michael Hall and Beverly D'Angelo, which I, who I'd never seen before. And I saw her today. She walked right by us. Wow. Uh, Christy Brinkley is there. What? And I mean, talk about somebody who does not age. I know. Wow. Freaky. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's pretty crazy. She, she, she has a very ugly painting somewhere in, in her, her attic. attic. That it's just yeah, yeah she's getting older yeah. and older. <laughs> well, how uh, do you take yeah. all that in though? That's just that rundown is overwhelming. It, it is, and there's really almost no way to see all of it. I think they had forty, forty-one guests or something like that of just actors, and then there are voice actors from various cartoons, animated films, the big uh, Spider-Man animated film that's out mm-hmm. now. The guy that's Spider-Man, Shamik Moore, he's there. Wow. Uh, Jody Benson, who was the voice of the Little Mermaid in the original Disney anime, she's there. She's fantastic. I, I got to talk to her a couple of days ago. Um, well, did anybody address the SAG-AFTRA strike, and did it restrict them from talking about certain things? It, it, I've asked a couple of them, and it's an ongoing fluid situation. SAG posts new rules and regulations every couple of days because they're trying – they understand the actors are on their side, and they're being patient about you know, not crossing the picket line – but they also still have to work. And they have yeah. they have families to take care of, and they got bills to pay. So at first they were saying no conventions, no fan appearances, no autographs, and now they've walked it back and they said, "Look, you you we understand you need to go do this to make money. We appreciate you're not going out and working in other projects." So they gave them a few guidelines, and for the most part, it seems to be business as usual. There are some things they can't do. Mm-hmm. Some of them are a little hesitant. They really, you know, I, I can appreciate they really don't want to get in trouble with it sure. so some of them personally and it's left up to them by sag they may not want to write a quote from a production that's ongoing that mm-hmm. the strike uh-huh. is happening for uh, some of them have been a little hesitant to talk about ongoing productions uh, it, it's, it seems to be a little easier with people who, if you want to talk to them about something they did 30, 40 years sure, ago. Sure, Back to the Future. So now we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, were you easier. able to, to talk with, with anybody and get any feel for how they feel this is going to play out, how long it's going to go? I mean, they just canceled the – I think they canceled the Emmys. Uh, They've rescheduled I, I, that they, for January. Yeah. So a lot of things are just being canceled because – we're kind of in uncharted territory here. Absolutely. And they're talking like it could well go on into next year. Mm. This is a slow, slow process. They send some, some uh, you know, I don't say demands, but I mean, they send their, their requests, their mm-hmm. list in. Somebody gets together with a group of lawyers and they go over it for a couple of weeks and shoot it back. And it's it's not a quick, quick process. It, it, and sadly, uh, and there's a part of my pea-sized brain that doesn't understand this. I mean, why can't you initially just do one contract that says, for what we know now and anything that happens in the future, if you created something, you will get paid a percentage of that, blah, blah, blah. 
but because we're dealing with so many streaming things now and the and AI, the television landscape is changing so much. And as Johnny said, AI, wow, are we in uncharted territory? It, it, very true. And it really it covers a lot more than that. There are some things that have been business as usual for 50 plus years. Like and I didn't know this. I was educated on this. If you have a production, let's say they do like the big New Year's Eve extravaganza on mm-hmm. TV and you have uh, some a performer comes out and sings and you've got dancers and you've got this and that. All of those background people, the backup singers, backup dancers and all that, they get paid for the day of the shoot. They do not get paid for the rehearsal time. And and that's Mm -hmm. something they're trying to change and say, look, if they're being asked to be on set, they should be compensated for their work, particularly when they're more likely to be injured during rehearsal time. When it's right. they're learning the maneuvers and, and learning the numbers and all that, than the the night of the shoot. So there are a lot of little things like that. It's not just about revenue from streaming. It's not just about AI. There are a lot of things that probably should have been cleared up or changed years ago. Yeah. Yeah, good and point. I saw something, uh, I know we have to break, but I saw something earlier this week uh, with Wheel of Fortune. They are going to Instead of having new questions, they're going back to old questions and old contestants to have them <laughs> on again to see what happens. They Somehow they're figuring this is a way around writers for the moment. And well, what? Jeopardy, too. Jeopardy, they're having the Tournament of Champions, and all of the champions got together and said, look, if we agree as a group not to go on, then the writers don't have to cross the picket line to come to work to write new questions. So we'll all come back later once this is done. Good for so them. So they're showing some solidarity mm. yeah. there. Yeah. Aaron Bearden is our guest, and we have a lot to talk about. So stay with us here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Speaking of sports, that, that <laughs> became one of the most um, memorable sports introductions. Um, my buddy Tommy Edwards from WLS, when he was the announcer. Yep. For the Bulls games, he came up with the idea of using the Alan Parsons project, and that became. I mean, the Bulls would come out on stage, and, oh, and it was just Steve, to this day. Alan Parsons is thanking Tommy. He's oh, yeah. like, every time you played it, I get money. Of course, I love that. Yep. <laughs> We have with us in the studio tonight, Aaron Bearden, speaking of sports. He has a shop called Instant Replay Sports and does this um, – forgive me because you you educated me last time and I forgot what the auction thing is that you do online with sports cards. Oh, uh, uh, whatnot. Whatnot. Which we haven't, I haven't done in a while. I haven't had time since we moved to the new store and all. But uh, we do some things like that yeah. still. We do some events in the shop. We do these, essentially for whatnot, these live online video group breaks where people buy in to a box of cards and, and take a chance and randomly get something out of it. We do that in the store now, in person. So like a, a couple guys will get together and say, I'll kick in 50 bucks. And so they then buy a box of cards. Mm-hmm. And then they go through the cards to see if they've got any gems in those cards. Uh, absolutely. A, a simplified way of explaining, like we did it today at the shop and and had quite a few guys there. Maybe eight guys would get together, buy a box of football cards, and each randomly get one of the divisions in football, NFC North, AFC South, etc. And then they open it up, and you get all the cards from your division. And it might be a you know, 50-cent you know, basic card. It might be a $300 autographed card or 
$10,000 autographed card or whatever it may happen to be. And you be. don't know what's in the box when you sell no it to idea. them. No wow. idea. Do they um, know what they're looking for, or is that where your store comes in when they go, oh, wait, wait, wait Joe, that's a good one? Absolutely. Oh, they know. They know. They're really? some savvy collectors. They know who's in which product. They know what they're looking for, what the best thing they could hope for out of that product. They know when they're, they're buying into the stuff, and sometimes... You'll hit a product, and a certain guy will be like, "Hey, I, I've not had good luck with that one. I'm going to sit this one out." Or, really? You know. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. By the way, the blatant plug light has just gone off. So uh, point your browsers to instantreplaysportscards.com. That's the website, instantreplaysportscards.com. It's in Panama City, Florida, at 752 West 23rd Street. But you can check it out online, and uh, you can experience a. Uh, a lot of the fun right online. And collectors can communicate with you through your page and Absolutely. through the store. Because when you're not in Chicago hanging out at the Fan Expo, you're there. Absolutely. And for people in the southeast, we have a really nice event coming up in a about four weeks, we have James Spence Authentication, uh, JSA. They are the largest autograph authenticator, to my knowledge, in the world. They are the leading expert. So you can come in to the shop and bring an item in that is autographed. They examine it. They have a little fee they charge for it, and they will give you a certificate of authenticity mm. uh, if they back the item. In fact, they're on site right now with Fan Expo. They are Fan Expo's uh, chosen autograph authentication specialist. Mm-hmm. So if you get something signed at the show they'll give you the certificate of authenticity right there as you get it signed but they'll be in our shop normally you have to mail something to them it takes Mm -hmm. a couple of months for them to get through it and get it back to you you can come in the shop and do it in about an hour it's like getting the old photographs developed Uh, and they'll give you the certificate right there on that day so that information is on our website as well as and their website uh, SpenceLOA.com. They're sending out a fantastic guy, the best authenticator I have ever seen. His name's Dinesh Allah. If you're in the authentication business, you know this guy. Um, he is an absolute expert. I've seen Dinesh look at handwriting. We, we would go out to like restaurants, and he can tell if the person is left or right-handed based on their signature wow. on a napkin. Hmm. He knows his stuff. We should talk so. to him some night because I'd like to find yeah. out how you get into a business like that and how you get to be so good that you're really the guy. Absolutely. Yeah. He is phenomenal. Just think about what you have to study to because we've talked to handwriting analysts before, but mm-hmm. it's a different story when you're saying this belongs to Humphrey Bogart or this yeah, belongs this, to this Michael was the Jordan. Real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Again, the website is instantreplaysportscards.com. And why don't you introduce your uh, partner in crime sitting to your immediate left? <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? We we have Tony Baroni on here. Who uh, Tony and I go to a lot of these shows together, and we're about to start selling at some of these shows together. So Tony has been with me for, well, I mean, not to say with me, he's but we have been together for these uh, uh, megacons and, and fan expos and all that for three or four years now going to these shows together. Now, Tony, so, your uh, thing is comics. Is that what you're interested in? I do comics and I do records. I do, uh, I do comics, I do records, I do uh, uh, toys. So you're stuff. into vinyl? I love wax. I love really? old records and, and uh, soundtracks. Well, you must be thrilled then last year vinyl sold more than CDs. Uh, you know, in the late... Late 90s, all the record stores were closing, and I was buying their inventory, and everyone told me I was crazy, which I was, because mm-hmm. you have to store this and keep it. Yeah. Yep. You've got to keep it a certain way, but I'm, I'm glad that people are into it, because I, I like I like spending time with the, the media and flipping the record and having to yeah. not. You're, you're singing my song. One of the things, 
when Johnny and I uh, bought the the house that we're now in, we had to construct. There, there's one wall that we have some custom made shelving units that house my vinyl. So they won't bow. I will not get rid of yes. it. Yeah. And, we, and they had to be made so that you could have a toe hole, so you could stick your toe under there, so you could get real close and turn sideways and read what the album was you know oh yeah the guy that came in was brilliant because he goes well you know you can't buy anything at, at ikea because it's going to start boating sure enough yep. that's what happens when you put a bunch of vinyl on you know that oh yeah they're heavy yeah but nothing wow. sounds like and they sound wonderful yeah. yeah well again you're preaching to the choir yeah. here <laughs> so you were talking about first concerts earlier yeah. Steve, you and i have something in common i mean we okay. already do we're both yeah. guitar players right. we, we both read a comic or two in our day yeah your first concert was right. my first concert was uh, hosted by dick biondi uh, here in chicago and the uh, the platters the jarmels brooke benton uh the uh oh uh the phil upchurch and uh d clark and uh, I forget who. Well, that's else. way before your time. My first concert was the Platters. Oh, really? <laughs> Probably not the same night, the same event, but yes, <laughs> yes. When I, was, when I was about thir- 12, 13, something like that. Yes. Okay. I, I, and for a long time, all of my concerts I went to were. It was like the Platters and the Drifters. I saw mm-hmm. the Moody Blues. I saw Bob Dylan. It was all the. That's a nice yeah, lineup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I just. I think my last. I saw McCartney last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's it's, and you are a musician too. Yes, and, and well, we got so much more to talk about with Aaron and Tony. So stay with us. We got news coming up next here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman on WGN Radio. Boy, this has been a hard year to be a White Sox fan. Oh. Speaking of which, I should remind everybody we're going to be starting late next week mm-hmm. because. Due to a conflict with the Bears broadcast, the White Sox game will be on WGN. Woohoo! Uh, now d- don't get don't get upset about this. We're pumped. We love the White Sox in spite of the kind of season this has been. So we'll probably be uh, hitting the airwaves instead of nine o'clock, somewhere between about ten and ten thirty. Mm-hmm. Unless but, they want uh, to play extra innings and win, yeah. you know, as as you know, just as a gift for us. Yep. I mean, we've been supporting them through thick and thin, and it's not been easy. And and, and if you've never heard uh, Lynn D- and uh, DJ's broadcast, they are so good. I, I met Lynn Casper a couple of years ago uh, in Atlanta outside the stadium, and just I love listening to the guy. Yeah. Well, you're a diehard Cub fan. Well, he's just so interesting, and he yeah. I, and personally, I mean, he makes so many music references, and he's yes. such a big like a power pop guy, and he's talking about Big Star, and, and you know, and, and he these. just released an album. His group, uh, what it was about six months or so ago, they came out with another album. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, point is, we're fans. Yeah. We'll be yes. here. Socks, it's all yes. good. Yes. So we're talking sports collectibles and uh, and other kinds of collectibles. A whole bunch of stuff, yes, yes. <laughs> Aaron Bearden is uh, in studio with us. He is the uh, owner of Instant Replay Sports Cards. And you should go to instantreplaysportscards.com, and you will see all the information you know. And, uh, Aaron, again, you can introduce your uh, partner in crime. Absolutely, yeah. Here with me, Tony Buoni. Uh, I just like to say your name, so you have to forgive me, because when I say it, I just I, I smile, because it's so rhythmic. It's musical. It yeah, is. Yeah. Tony Buoni. Buoni, you got it, yeah. Because I, I told you Buona Beef is very popular in Chicago, and your your name ends in 
in a of in a vowel. And as Joey Doria said last hour, if it ends in a vowel, you're Italian. Yeah, I'm Italian. He's good in Italian. <laughs> That's <actually>. right. <laughs> I always refer to him as T-Bone. Yeah. Oh, that's a good okay. one, too. That works. Yes, yeah. yes. Now, did you actually find some albums, since you're a dealer in, in vinyl, did you find some uh, something today? No, I saw a few around, but nothing that I that I was really chasing. I liked, I was going after like older like horror comics from comics the, yeah mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm, just, I'm just looking around checking out what's so there. the horror genre is your thing in comics absolutely did, did you find any valuable like old EC comics oh that's that. now you're singing to me that's, I mean, that's, that, that, that is the gold standard of horror comic EC yes. comics for people who don't know EC comics was basically responsible for the comics code right yes because they were putting out wonderful stuff they were DC's competition, and DC had to find a way to shut them down. And yep. it was, you know, we can't beat them on the newsstand, so we'll just slander them and and yep. make parents terrified that their kids would want to buy an EC comic. Yeah, they likened yeah. those books to uh, juvenile delinquency. Yeah, and they were just misconstrued. They're monster stories, sure. and but they're also morality tales, like like a lot of the eighty slashers or whatnot. They're also yeah. like you know, you do something bad, bad things happen, and 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 they got crucified in court because <laughs> of the because of the art. What what is now? You guys are both at Fan Expo. What is the, the in terms of? Okay, let's stay with comics and records. What is most collectible these days? Stuff from years and years ago. Or some of the stuff that is coming out, like I know some groups are insisting that you put their product out on vinyl. How collectible is that stuff these days? They do a lot of variants. Like the, the, the records will be instead of just black, they'll have colors, or, or, or mm. like they'll be they're really beautiful how they're pressing these things. And some of those get really, really expensive because they only make a hundred, or hundred and fifty, two hundred of them, and they're they're really sought after music or stuff that the rights are tied up, real low low releases and they get quite quite expensive isn't there also a kind of a controversy if you are a vinyl purist and if you're going to buy something in on vinyl that has been recently recorded the question is how was it originally recorded was it recorded on analog tape or was it recorded digitally and then being pressed on vinyl whole different ball of wax when it comes to serious sound aficionados yeah, that's that's a mastering thing. You like whoever they, when they master it, it has to be right for the format for vinyl, mm-hmm. or it has to be right to like to like uh, be streaming on YouTube, or right for a cassette. Because there are people still making cassettes, which are even sure. That's a whole, oh, that's wild. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's like horror movies. Don't tell me that's, that there's somebody out there that's in love with eight tracks. I hope not, because it never sounded good to me. So, no. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's an art form to get that proper mix that sounds good whether it's a cd or on your radio or on a vinyl or mm-hmm. i mean there are a few people that can dial that in but boy did, bless did, them did i ever tell you the the one of the best comments johnny and i ever had we were interviewing and i can't think of his name but he was one of the engineers who worked over at abbey road and he had worked on some of the beatles product and we were talking about mastering and he said, the problem is, today, too many people are just watching the needles. Listen to what you're hearing. That's how you get it right. No, and I, I absolutely abso- agree with that. Yeah, because otherwise you're just going by, well, this hit this many decibels. This hit, but does it still sound good? Your yeah. ears don't lie. Right, yeah. It, yes, and when you know when it sounds good, you got it right. And it doesn't matter what the 
what the at that point you can just turn the thing up or down if it needs to be at the level to be played on the radio or to mm-hmm. put out on a CD. But once they're relative to each other, if it sounds good, it sounds good. There's no one right way to do it other than just sound good. But one of the fun things over the years is interviewing um, performers, musicians, is is finding out when they first heard their song on the radio. Mm-hmm. And they say, boy, it sounded so good because yeah. of the way we recorded it. Coming through that little speaker on the dash of your car, it still came through. And you could just tell, you know, years later that that was a memory that is just in it's just an indelible experience where you're like that's not only is that me but dang that sounds good well and one of the classic stories was back in the days when when motown was really big barry gordy with his i think he was one of the first to have a four track and then 16 track studios but what he used to do even with all of this umpteen tracks when he was done he would take it and put it down into the talkback speaker if it sounded good on the talkback speaker, it would sound good on your radio. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was, after all the high-tech stuff he had, that's what he was using to determine, will it sound good on the radio? Yeah, Brian Wilson used to prefer mixing in mono. Because mm-hmm. he said, if you put it in mono and it sounds good, then after that it's just panning things left or right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you got a mono mix that works, you, you got a good song. So, Tony, you're also a horror uh, comic book uh, collector and fan and dealer, et cetera. Did you find anything like that at Fan Expo today? Yes. Yes, I did. There was, there was a, uh, I didn't pick up any, anything too big because I'm just, I'm just trying to be careful. I'm trying to be a good boy. But there, were, there was amazing books there, especially really? in that, that pre-code era and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, stuff even older, like older uh, scary books that you just don't see. And I, 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 like, like what? I, oh, like a... Oh, uh, like a like a witchcraft book title from like the like the late forties, early fifties, which just it, colors look like they just came off the newsstand. They're, they're breathtaking, wow. and it's just I mean they're way out of my league. I mean I can't afford anything like that. But they're gorgeous. Are you talking this, like hundreds of dollars? Like thousands of dollars. What? They're they're I mean they're, these things are seventy years old, and, and they got destroyed when they started like pushing back against these mm-hmm. monsters right. happening in in the in the medium, and they were. It's just amazing that they're still around. Wow, that, there are that, there are comics there. In the six-figure range no. for sale, absolutely, yeah. And I, I mean, today looking around, I saw stuff twenty, thirty thousand uh, dollars. Fantastic comics, just things you wouldn't believe have survived sixty or seventy years in the condition they are. That they look like they came out yesterday. And this this show really brings out like the biggest, the best dealers because this used to be exclusively a comic book show. Right. And then over it used the to be years, Wizard World years ago, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it was Wizard yeah. World for a long time, and it was the premier comic book show, kind of you know outside of New York and L.A. This is where you mm-hmm. came if you wanted comics. And then with uh, it was like San Diego Comic Con starting to invite in all the different movie people mm-hmm. to you know the, the comic book premieres and all, they kind of got a little more little more that but this is still a phenomenal comic show I mean, you've got uh we always go see dale roberts who's one of the top dealers in the country he's just got amazing stuff at his booth definitely if you go check him out you'll see things that you just will drop your jaw captain america's from during world war ii oh, really gosh. oh yeah yeah just yeah so, some of the original beautiful. simon kirby uh stuff beautiful with the what schoenberg covers and yeah 
Well, we're talking about Fan Expo, and it continues on Sunday. So if we've now piqued your interest, it's at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center out in Rosemont. And Aaron and Tony are with us for a few more minutes, so stay with us here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman on WGN Radio. I know that has absolutely nothing to do with sports, but that is Aaron Bearden, who's in the the, uh, studio with us. And that's uh, one of my favorite songs you've done. Which album is that on? Uh, uh, More Inviting Shore. Okay. Took me a moment to recall the title. And you can go to AaronBearden.com, and that's where you can find it. And you were telling us a cool story off the air because you did get to meet Lou Diamond Phillips today at Fan Expo. Absolutely, yeah. And you told him. And they kind of tie together. Lou Diamond Phillips, more than almost anybody else, is the reason I wanted to be a musician. When I was about five or six years old, I saw La Bamba. Mm -hmm. And that was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, this is, you know, I I got like, this is a teenager. And he had a guitar and he wrote songs. And and it just looks so fun and so amazing to do and that's what i wanted to do and then i saw crossroads with ralph macchio right around that same time and i was like okay guitar is definitely the way to go (laughs) and uh so i yeah that's why i I usually play a fender strat because of you know richie valens in la bomb i told lou diamond phillips today i said yeah i even i built a 54 reissue strat like what he had in the film the two-tone sunburst and all that and uh, he just what did he say he when was, you told him? He was so, so nice. But he said, man, that means so much to me. He said, Aww. thank you for the kind words. He said, you know, I really I love hearing that. And uh, so we got a photo with him, and which is the only photo op I've ever done. And, and I've been doing conventions for 15 years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done card show, sports card shows for 30, almost 35 years with athletes and all that, signers there, Hall of Famers and stuff. He's the only person I've ever done a photo op with because like this was this level of impact on my life. And yet, I don't believe he actually did the the singing in the the movie he did not do the singing that was uh the guys in los lobos who did the soundtrack yeah and they're in the film when he goes to mexico and there's the the mexican band playing Mm -hmm. and uh you know a lot of people think it was los lobos lead singer who who did it and it's not uh it's the there's a gentleman playing guitar kind of standing to the left i think of the lead singer on stage he's the one who did the actual singing for richie valens in the film i think he had a closer voice uh range yeah, but, uh, and but he, he Lou did, did a darn good job, and he did. And if you watch, he's actually he's playing guitar chords correctly. I th- there's one scene I just rewatched it about a month ago, and he gets a little bit off on his. La Bamba's like a three chord song. Yeah, and he gets a little off on his transition, but I'm looking and going, he's playing C, F, and G. That's mm-hmm. La Bamba. Yep, that, <laughs> and, that's uh, the deal. Yeah, and he's so he's getting it. He's in there, right? And it may be Aww. just a matter of their editing not syncing up with the audio. But see, see now you're getting into geek territory. <laughs> what was the movie we saw? It was kind of a, a Django Reinhardt uh, oh. uh, spinoff with. Um, Oh, uh, he used to be with Madonna. Yes, yeah, Sean Penn, Sweet who and Low did, Down, who yep. did the worst job of pretending, pretending to play guitar. It's like but, he didn't even. He can try. Nothing. No, not a bit. But that film is so. I love that film because yeah. of the raising the awareness of Django Reinhardt. Yep. And if you're a guitar player and you've never heard Django or never, you can see him on YouTube. There are a few clips available. 
It just out of this world. That's true. Incredible. It did, it, it did bring him to a whole yeah. audience, yeah. A new and audience. And if you if you listen to a lot of uh, of Les Paul's early things, oh boy, it, yes. he is channeling Django. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you're a guitar player out there and you don't know Django Reinhardt, uh, I'll tell you this. Eddie Van Halen always said he could never play what Django played. Yeah, hmm. and and he was being with he's two, been honest and humble, And Django but, played it with two fingers. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Just, he uh, had two fingers that were injured in a fire uh, when he was eighteen or nineteen years old, and so he had just the use of two fingers. And he didn't played he played stuff that guys today cannot yeah. figure out it, how to do. Django is one of two guitar players that ever um, I had the same reaction to the first time I heard them. First time I heard Django, I just started smiling. That's what his music does to me. The other one is a guy you need to see. Tommy Emmanuel. Yes. Yeah, I have. I have. Yes. Oh. Mm. Tommy yeah. is just. Yes. Yeah. In fact, Tommy's going to be in Chicago in a couple of weeks, and if things work out, he's going to be in the studio with yeah. us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tony, are you a musician? Absolutely. Yeah. You are? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. See, you guys are multifaceted. We could go on all night talking sports and music. And, and we met in a screenwriting class. Really? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, how great it was for you to stop by here, because I know you're out in Rosemont, it's a big day, and you said it was like 75,000 people, it felt like, at the Expo on Saturday. You've got Sunday to look forward to, but what a treat to have you in studio with us. Again, blatant plug, people can follow you where? Uh, com for all of the sports-related things. And I have, most of my customers don't even know that I'm a musician. I, I don't try to push that on them. But then AaronBearden.com for uh, music. You can go on there and get, get records and things like that. And Tony, people can follow you where? I'm uh, Tony Bioni on Facebook and uh, the Cat Stash, Cat Stash Nola on Facebook and Instagram. Cat Stash Nola. Cool. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Take care. More coming up. Stay with us. News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. I'm your vehicle baby. 53 years old, and it still sounds good. I love that song. And you have to crank it up to the threshold of pain every time we play it. My headphones were bouncing on my head. I had them turned up so loud. <laughs> of course, the Ides of March. And when you think of the Ides of March, you got to think of the purple-haired wonder, Jim Peterick. Jim Peterick, good morning. <laughs> hey, Jim. Good Good morning, Stephen, Johnny, Johnny, and Steve. Hope you're doing great. We are, Jim. Well, well, uh, speaking of doing great, before we get into all kinds of other stuff, I you gave us heart failure a couple weeks ago. You know, Steve, I can laugh about it now, but uh, as they say, news of my death has been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I got to tell you, that afternoon when you were performing... And uh, suddenly my phone starts lighting up. People are going, I'm at the concert. I can't believe what just happened. The house lights came up. They're taking Jim. I said, what? What's happening? You were on stage. You had been performing for hours, right? Literally hours. Because the the Ides of March are basically, uh, along with doing your own things, you're backing up all the other groups on the Cornerstone of Rock Tour, right? Well, you're absolutely right, Stephen Johnny. Um, We are the host band to a wonderful review, if you will, called Cornerstones of Rock. And, uh, you know, the eyes come out and we do a few songs and kind of warm up the audience, you know. And then we start bringing the classic bands from the uh, from Chicagoland, from the uh, 60s and early 70s. Uh, 
uh, you know, New County 6, uh, the crying shames, um, of course, the Ides of March, but then we also do a phenomenal tribute to the late, great Jimmy Sons of the Shadows of the Night. We bring mm-hmm. on uh, Dan Buck of the Boys, and he just knocks it out of the park. And then the Ides come back, and we wrap up the show with, you know, like Ellie Goodbye and a few other hits, and then we end with, guess what, Vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to feel a little woozy. I don't know why. It was All I had was a banana all day. Maybe that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm not used to early shows. I thought that would be fine. But by the, I was starting to say, and this is the vehicle that, and I just started feeling a little dizzy, but I soldiered on for a while. I'm the friend of the stranger in the black sedan. Won't you hop inside? And I started getting real dizzy and fell flat on my face, blacked out. Uh, uh, and I'm, yeah, on my face because my, my guitar was safe. It was on my back. Oh. Thank God. <laughs> but I was a bit broken. Not, no bo- broken bones, but blacked out. And the first thing I remember is Ron Onesti over me, telling me jokes, t- trying to bring me out of the, the darkness. And then, you know, there's this line of yellow-shirted security guys from the Displaying Theater. They're trying to block me from the audience. And then I hear this chant from the audience. is one of the most spiritual things I ever heard. They're chanting the Lord's Prayer in yes. unison. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, and, and I said to, to the, the yellow guys, Step aside. I want to see these folks. You know, oh. I had enough wherewithal, and I put my thumbs up, and they they applauded. It was one of the worst and best nights of my life. But oh the ambulance gosh. arrived. Karen, she wasn't at the show. She came and met me uh, and whisked me off to the hospital. And I was there for like seven hours. I didn't have to stay there though. And they, you know, my blood pressure had fallen down to. Um, 47 and um it was all about blood pressure really it wasn't about heart failure or anything like that i just hadn't eaten anything and it my my blood pressure went way down they got it up to about 95 and sent me home and three days later i was already doing light duty shows you know like (laughs) with pride of lions and where we were kind of more or less lip-syncing syncing uh, to the record, and it's a great, great little audience, and it went at Speakeasy, right on SD's place. But I, I got back on my feet, and I'm I'm 100% now, and it just it feels so well, good. It, it is more, so good to talk to you, but I'm, I'm not kidding, and Johnny wasn't either. You gave us heart failure. When, yeah. when we, I mean, our phones were blowing up, and we're so glad that you're doing as well as you are, Jim. And Jim, you you uh, you know, were you wearing leather pants? Were you out there sweating, and you dehydrated? Of course. <laughs> of course. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, that explains that. All right. And probably yeah. a, a brocade jacket with your leather pants and just working, working. You, well, it's an aerobic yeah. exercise for you when you're on stage. It really is. Well, you know me too well, uh, Johnny. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, they've got a show coming up this week. We're going to tell you all about it. So stay with us. We'll take a quick break and come right back with Jim Peterick. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. The Ides of March, LA Goodbye. And you can see the Ides of March this 
Thursday at the City Winery in Chicago, which is a great venue. Oh, it really is. Jim, you guys must love the City Winery. We really do. The sound system is great. It's intimate. Uh, the food is great. It is, uh, yes. You know, it, it really is. We're not just blowing smoke up. Uh, we go there even when we're not playing. We, uh, I, I don't know, might have been a month ago. The whole band and, and all the wives went down there to see one of my, all of our heroes, Jimmy Webb. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw some of the pictures you posted. Yeah, he, he might have written a few a few good ones. You think? You know? Yeah. <laughs> He's got a future in this business. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and he's one of those guys that, you know, of course, he doesn't have to tour. He loves it. He loves mm-hmm. the audience. And um, we got to meet him afterwards. Uh, and and we were kind of in awe. And I had met him before, but many years ago. And it was so great to see him again. I don't know if he remembered me or not, but it didn't matter. We met all over again. And um, Larry was particularly uh you know, he's quiet, and yet he really came out and told Jimmy how much his music meant to him oh. and the Ides, and he spoke so better than I could have even, you mm-hmm. know. Larry Millis, you're talking about yeah. one of your, uh, yeah. he's he's your right-hand guy there. Well, Larry Millis is the leader of the band. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that recruited Bob at Berglund first, then knocked on my door two weeks or three weeks in a row and I had another band <laughs> and and he would kept knocking on that door till finally you know he would say something like well your band stinks that was before the word sucks was long you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah your band stinks you gotta come and, and, and try out with my band you know so yeah. okay the guy's really a pain in the you know uh-huh. so I, I lugged my magnetone amp all the way to his house on Riverside Drive, the, you know, the swanky area of, of Berwyn, <laughs> double lot, you know, because his father was a doctor. And, mm-hmm. and some coin, anyway, set up in the basement, and I go, oh, okay, I get it now. This mm-hmm. is a band, yeah. you know. And Mike Porch on drums, suddenly the four of us that are still together, 60 years uh, this coming year. Wow. We'll be together as a band for 60 years. You were in high school when all that happened, when he came knocking at your door. You guys were all teenagers. In, in fact, yeah. I, I, I want to do a little bit of a comparison. We were talking earlier about uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen being at Wrigley Field. And one of the things that we were mentioning, and I, I draw this comparison with Springsteen and the E Street Band and the Ides of March. You've been doing it for a long time. Every time I see the Ides of March on stage, I can tell that it doesn't matter how long you've been doing these songs, you love it. You're having a great time, and you're putting the same energy into it mm-hmm. as you put in the first time you stepped on stage with a group. And and that's rare, Jim. You, you guys don't realize how rare and how special your relationship with each other and with your audience is. Well... Thanks so much, Steve. That means so much. And truly, we ain't faking it. We're up there because <laughs> we love to do it. We love each other. Yeah. Best of friends. We hang out when we don't even have to. <laughs> you know? And uh, that's very rare for a band. And uh, 
so we are having the ball you think we are and we hopefully we share that joy with the with the audience has anybody ever talked to you about doing a documentary about the eyes of march i mean the same guy 60 years yeah well um johnny it's time you yes. know we've discussed it um this is the year you know 60 years is the day is the year we have to Get, Do it. Get on it. Yes. You know, and it doesn't have to be elaborate, but there should be a, at least a paperback chronicling the Ides of March history. Yep. Well, let me just go out on a limb here and say, if we can help you in any way whatsoever, it really should happen. And this is the year to make it happen. Because we still have a lot of the uh, the archive performances of when you guys joined us in studio. In studio, yeah. And we'd be happy to, well, to let you use that stuff. We'll be, we'll be drawn from that, Steve and Johnny. <laughs> um, we, we have been talking about it. Now we have to get into action and well. get our butts in gear and do it. Well, well, and because 60 is the new 20. <laughs> That's right. I, I I know, man. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. The original four and Scotty, Scotty May, you know him, you love him. Yep. He's been with us. He's the new kid, 33 years. Unreal. Unreal. He was, he was the 14-year kid looking at the ads going, someday, someday. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, of course, now we have the... Uh, uh, the kick butt brass, I call the kick, yeah. I can't say ass on, on, <laughs> on your show, but the kick, let's call it the kick butt brass. Which yeah. but, 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 speaking of kick butt brass, I'm going to give you the oddest suggestion you've ever had, but it's a okay. song with, with, with the Ides of March horns. I would love sometime to hear you guys do the Freddie Cannon arrangement of Way Down Yonder in New Orleans with the brass... The, the way the brass takes over that song, I'd love to hear you guys do that sometime. That would be amazing. That would be, I love that song. Way down yonder in New Orleans. But just that whole. Oh, da, 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 King thinks it's a great idea, and so do I. Okay. <laughs> That's <Okay>. good. <laughs> you haven't answered a question from a listener who wants to know if there will be another cornerstone of rock this year. And the answer yes. is? Yes, there will. Do, do I have a date in my head? No, but it is going to be this year. I can't remember. I don't have my calendar. I just looked it up. Um, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I'll, I'll put it down on my, on my calendar. <laughs> put it in your phone, Jim. <laughs> I'll put it in my phone. I knew we had something. And, uh, you know, that's another, you know, going to be a great show. This time I won't face plants. No, spectacular like that. No. But buckle up. People are going to be f- coming at you from all different directions with food. Eat this, Jim. Eat, eat. Have eat some carbs. This, Do yeah. something. Everybody's <laughs> going to be my grandma. On stage, really? You know? Really? <laughs> uh, but but I have to ask you uh, another uh, text we got. Somebody wants to know, uh, the City Winery Chicago, are there still tickets available? And uh, are you going to be doing uh, any new surprises at the City Winery show? Well, uh, there are st- uh, still tickets. Uh, they're starting to go fast, uh, which, thank God, 
because uh, they were starting a little slow, but they're really going now. And there was some bad uh, advertisement out there. There was some, not really a scalper, but a secondary ah, seller oh who was selling them overpriced. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and really we were going, what the? And then go, you know, what what I advise everyone go right to the website. Yes, and you'll find a, a nice forty five dollar ticket. Yes, uh, yes, not a sixty dollar plus ticket. So, so, so you and Taylor Swift um, are having the same problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's tough. I talked to Taylor the other day. She said, that really sucks, doesn't it, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> Can I recommend that if you are going to come to the show on Thursday night, and you should, get there early enough to order your food, because as Jim said, the food there is fantastic. And it's just a really good opportunity to have your meal and then just face the stage. And there's not a bad seat in the house the way no. they elevate the tables. And uh, again, not a bad seat in the house. We just love the place. So no, it, it's great. It's great. Are you going to be in town at all? We might be. We, we just might be. Yeah. You well, just let us know, and you'll be on that guest list. Oh, thank you, Jim. <laughs> you also did before we let you go and get some rest. You recently finished your project, Pride of Lions, one of your many projects, right? Pride of Lions. This is our seventh studio album, our eighth counting the, wow. the, the double live album we did in Belgium. Yeah. Toby Hitchcock is a force of nature, um, singer. We share vocals. Now, when I first put together Survivor, it was my plan. Uh, well, it's originally called the Jim Peterick Band. Mm-hmm. Same band as, as the early days of Survivor. And I wanted to, no, I didn't want to. I had planned to share vocals with Dave Bickler. And that, you know, the first album, I, I sing some duets with him, and then I was kind of, um, yeah, relegated uh, to keyboards, which is fine, and I still you know, wrote or co-wrote all the songs. But, you know, I mean, we, Dave was an amazing singer, mm-hmm. as was Jimmy Jameson, but I always missed, you know, the double vocals. And mm-hmm. when I put together Pride of the Lions, I was going to, I was going to cure that. <laughs> yeah. And... And Pride of Lions is really the, very close to the prototype I had in my head uh, for Survivor. That is so cool. And I remember the very first time, your very first album with Toby, and you brought him in studio with yeah. us. And, and we were blown away. Well, speaking of that, he almost blew our microphones out. <laughs> yes, I, you're right. I forgot that. voice about got that. a voice. <laughs> yes. The l- loudest voice in life. Yeah. Yeah. Really he's, strong. He's so good. Well, you need to. I'm going to play grandma. You need to get your rest right now, young man. Get your rest. And thank you for joining us and have a great show on Thursday. It's always a kick to to talk to you, Jim, and I'm so glad you're doing as well as you're doing. Yeah. I'm doing great. I wanted to mention one more show. Sure. Uh, It's coming up on the 29th of August. It's Jim Peterick and Friends at Hey Nani in Arlington Heights. Really. Great club. Yeah. And special guest, Kathy Richardson. Oh, cool. Starship. Nice. You know, I, I, I don't want to brag, but I kind of started her out. You sure did. did her, yeah. But it's her first album, Moon Not Banana. And my dear son, Colin Peterick, who's going to uh, be a, a, a guest star, too. That's going to cool. be great. Yeah. T- tell tell really, really going fast with that, but I wanted to tell you about it anyway T- tell kathy uh i'm putting in an advance request for cadillac woman 
<laughs> That's a great okay, one. Okay, I'll write this down. Cadillac Woman. Yes. I don't know if I ever heard that song. Oh, my gosh. Oh. oh. It, you have to ask. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it almost melted the tower when she did <laughs> right. that in studio with us. It's wonderful. I, I will tell her. I, I said, you've got to sing it. Cadillac Woman. I, Steve and Johnny insist. That's right. Jim, we love you. Yeah. It's so nice to talk to you. I, I We always love any excuse, but you know you're welcome on here any old time. So thank you for staying up late uh, for us. And give Karen a hug for us. I, I sure will. She says hello, sends her love as well. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Thursday night, City Winery in Chicago. Stay with us here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio got a brand new car. Feeling good so far. So far. But we will find out. <laughs> we just ran a marathon during the newscast. Yeah. You know, people who do uh, third shift or tour one radio shows should give efficiency experts uh, a course on how to efficiently do tons of things during a five or, in this case, about a three minute newscast with a couple commercials johnny and i were running in different directions and i was coaxing the coffee uh, machine to spit out another round of coffee for the rest of the show because we got some good stuff to talk about like cars with our buddy the car guy tom appel who joins us a couple times a month and he's busy road testing cars and he is the publisher of consumer guide uh, automotive uh, hey tom how you doing I'm good. How are you guys? Great, great. Good, now good. that we're back in studio. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you, you sound breathless. I hear it. I hear it. Not going to hassle anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for stepping aside so we could sneak Jim in here for a, a little bit tonight. Of yeah, course, not, not everybody can say they had Jim Peterick for their opening, opening act. Opening act, no, yes. No. Yes. Yeah, I got bumped for a superstar. I'm <laughs> totally cool with that. You know, we should go, really, we should go to see the Ides of March together because you're a big music fan. Have you ever seen them perform live? No, there's some stuff on YouTube, and, he, and he, Jim frequently oh. shares. People should follow Jim on Facebook. He frequently shares concert stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. The band is so tight, and their harmony is amazing. And to think this is their 60th year. Whoa. That's crazy. And, and they really do bring incredible energy to everything yeah. they do. I mean, they've been doing this for, well, 60 years. But every time, it's like the first time. They, they bring that same energy to their performance. You, you get the feeling, seriously, Tom, that when they step out on stage and they see like this this crazed audience that's so excited to see them, that it's kind of like a pinch-me moment for them all over again. It's like, oh, wow, people actually came. Oh, wow, they're really into our music. You know, It's just so much fun. All right. Yeah, that's going to feel good. Speaking of, of, of videos and things you can see, did you, by any chance, happen to take a look at the crash test videos that I sent to uh, to you and to Johnny? Did you get a look I at have, that? I have not seen those yet. Okay. Oh. Uh, I, I sent them to you in, in Messenger on Facebook. And I want to start there because it's a series of videos, and if you want during the break, you can bring it up and yeah. take a look at them. Of, of different cars going into the wall and being crash tested, and there's no uh, no real commentary or anything. You're just seeing the cars and and how they handle the crash tests. One of the things that struck me, and I, 
In a way, I shouldn't ask you since you haven't had the chance to look at it yet, but I will ask you. I was surprised at the Cadillac Escalade, two cars. The Cadillac Escalade really seems to come apart, and the uh, the Ford Bronco oh. is just flipped over and destroyed. It's like a toy. It's, it's, it's stunning. I mean, and they were all tested similarly they all mm-hmm. were tested at the same speed and hitting the same wall and and you're like oh wait a minute that one just kind of turned into a thousand pieces <laughs> now i will say that in many crash test videos things look terrible but the car might be doing what it's supposed to do but i'm eager yeah. to see these yeah there's a there's famously a video of um a Mercedes-Benz S-Class from maybe two generations ago, hitting the barrier, hitting the wall head-on. And it kind of looks like a mess, but actually the engine is being shoved under the car, which is how you want to redirect mm-hmm. that energy. Mm-hmm. And and it's doing what it should. And what you don't see is intrusion beyond the windshield or, or the firewall, which is also good, too, because the passenger cell is basically um, not, not compromised. But the rest of the car is a wreck. Well, that's why I wanted to bring this up, because, uh, and I hope when we take a break you'll uh, take a few seconds because it it doesn't run long but a lot of people see these crash test videos and they think oh my goodness this is horrible and if you did the same thing to a uh, a 59 cadillac uh, fleetwood or something you wouldn't see that degree of damage but isn't the point that yeah you should see the damage to the car because that means you won't see so much damage to you yeah, the energy has to go someplace, and it usually goes someplace spectacular and visible. So fenders pop off, the hood sometimes flies open, or buckles and like that. And, and usually the powertrain is completely ruined in a, in a very high-energy front end because that energy is absorbed by the engine and the drivetrain and redirected underneath the vehicle. Is that why, back in the day, if you were in an accident, and it could just be a, like a, a, a minor rear-end collision, you walked away with whiplash mm-hmm. seemed like every time you get your your car would get bumped and you go oh i have whiplash and you just don't hear that anymore now no that's interesting you I hadn't actually taken notice of that johnny but no you don't hear much about whiplash anymore and it is just better design mm-hmm. uh, in the vehicle and the better placement of the, of the headrest too and i remember jim mateo used to say people would say well what kind of car should i be getting for my kids they're going away to college and i want them to be safe and he'd say well whatever you do don't get them an old car that's like a tank because and he would talk about how you needed the car to take the impact yeah. not the, the the kid behind the wheel of the car but speaking of that the, and i'm segueing only a smidge i think you have probably seen the ad for, I believe it's Subaru, uh-huh. which is one of the most effective ads I think I've ever seen yeah. because it's the the car is pretty much destroyed. And the mother the, drives the, up and she sees her husband and her child coming toward her. And she says, I, I never loved our Subaru as much until the accident. And basically the point is the car is destroyed. They all walked away. Yes, until they walked away from right. the Subaru. And it's just a great punchline because you go, oh, oh, yeah. And they're walking toward her. And the car is, it, it's just really, really well. I mean, it's one of those where you stop and you go, well, that's a weird thing to be promoting. Oh, they walked yeah. away from the accident. 
Yeah, there's a, there was a previous a previous ca- uh, campaign that was similar, the They Lived cam- campaign. Yes, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. And, yes, and you you follow a um, I think it was the Subaru Legacy, which is their midsize sedan, from the point of an accident to the uh, to the junkyard, and along the way, people passing you know along the chain of custody, people tell other people they lived mm-hmm. because the car's mm-hmm. a total wreck. Pretty effective commercial. Yeah, we are talking with our car guy Tom Appel, and Tom. What have you been in lately? I am driving a car right now that is refreshingly affordable and and sort of normal. Uh, (laughs) Normal? (laughs) In in the world of moving to crossovers, even though this is a crossover, it just sort of feels like a a very conventional vehicle, and it's refreshing. Hmm. But I'm driving the 2024... um, I'm sorry, 2023, which is redesigned, uh, Subaru um, Crosstrek Sport. Um, which is right in the middle of the Crosstrek lineup. And for people who don't know, this is Subaru's smallest crossover and most affordable. It's a subcompact, but it's surprisingly roomy. But but really a likable car. Rides and handles surprisingly well. Um, it's affordable. It's easy on the gas. Standard all-wheel drive, which we associate with Subaru. And the nice thing about the Sport, which is the third vehicle as you move up the, the trim levels, it, it's available with the larger 2.5-liter engine as opposed to the base 2-liter engine. And you kind of want that the base versions are just a little bit underpowered but really a a really likable car good starter car for someone young great car if you live in the snow belt nice interior decent stereo it it, it feels really well put together Uh, okay define affordable what price range are we talking this is like thirty three thirty four thousand dollars um nicely equipped Okay, that's excellent. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, and are they uh, readily available at most dealerships now? They seem to be. It's funny you would mention that the the day supply of vehicles is getting closer to normal. It's now at about two million units. Should be at three, so it's still hard to get stuff. But I believe Subaru stuff is relatively available. By the way, I'm curious. uh, We were uh, texting back and forth with Tom during the week because. Uh, we watch a show on uh, MSNBC, uh, the eleventh hour, with Stephanie Rule, and one of the days this past week, she was interviewing the uh, the woman who is in charge of everything yeah, General at General Motors, Motors. Uh, Mary. Uh, oh, uh, how do you Mary pronounce? Barra. Yeah. Barra, yes. B-A-R-I. Did you yeah. get the chance to watch that? I watched clips from that, yeah, and and it, Mary Barr is a super interesting person in the industry because I, I keep saying this about her. She thinks like a woman, and I mean that in in the best possible sense. She's not after market share or sort of sales numbers or dominance globally by having cars in every country. None of that stuff. None of that sort of sports thing stuff. She just wants to make a car that makes a company that makes good cars that are of, that and a company that's very profitable. And she's done both of those things. And she was really, pardon the phrase, thrown under the bus when she was put in charge of General Motors at a time when she had to answer a lot of questions. And I know we've talked before that it kind of seemed like they put this woman in charge so she would take all of the gunfire. She'd be the fall guy. Yeah. She showed them. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. so yeah, she's, uh, she's going to make $24 million this year. She showed them. <laughs> oh, and, and she still has time to work on the Disney Board of Directors. I turned to Steve and I said, how? How does that work? You run General Motors and you can still be on the Disney Board of Directors. But you know what? You only make a mere 
$200,000 a year on the board of directors, but then you get stock options. Whoa! But she, she, one of the things she was talking about is how uh, General Motors uh, is one of the companies that is really putting all its eggs in the electric basket. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, just objectively, do you think that is a good move at this point, or do you think uh, some manufacturers would benefit more by hedging their bets, or, or what's your take on this? That's a great question, Steve. One of the interesting things is that Toyota seems to be hedging its bets a little bit, much to the chagrin of its shareholders. But General Motors is kind of all in, and they've got uh, two dedicated factories in the U.S. now. They're building a total of four battery factories to support this. So they're moving ahead pretty hard. And one of the interesting things that happened this week, and I think a lot of people may make more hay out of this than they should, or it wasn't this week, it was this month, I'm sorry, is that used EV prices are plunging. Mm-hmm. And the people are using it to suggest that the demand isn't there. And we just got today, I think the numbers were published, um, that that EV market share in the U.S. did not climb from last month. That may mean nothing. It's a single month, but it stayed stagnant. But it is still 7% of the total market. So it's really hard to predict where this is going to go. Um, if, if, because if we reach the point basically where we're well past early adopters and we're just into sort of brave regular consumers, and those people really need to have homes with charging stations right now to make it work. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think they've overcommitted because some manufacturers have held back. So the ones that are selling the EVs, maybe they're in the right position. Is the used EV marketplace going to be uh, more difficult to figure out than the regular uh, used car marketplace? Because if someone is looking at uh, to buy an electric vehicle... The vehicle that was being made two, three years ago doesn't have the same amount of range that the vehicle being made today does. So does that play into this used EV marketplace uh, not doing as well as you might want it to? Yeah, actually, there's a couple of really interesting points, and you made just one of them. You just made one of them, Steve. The, the thing that's happening, too, is most used EVs are Teslas. So it's almost like the used Tesla market, not the used EV market, because the other cars that have come online all came online in the last couple of years. There just really aren't that many used General Motors electrics or Nissan electrics or things like that. And and what's happening, too, is that Tesla is really, really, really working hard to hold on to its market share. So they keep lowering the price of their new cars. Hmm. And they've been deeply discounted by Tesla. So it's very affordable to buy a Tesla Model S, or I'm sorry, Model 3 or Model Y. That's the small sedan or small crossover. And and when you lower the price of the new car, obviously you lower the value of the used car. And that's right. a lot of what's driving this. And, and also, we've talked about this before, the fact that uh, Tesla was kind of fudging its, its range expectations. So now there's some question about that, too, if you're buying a used one. Yeah, I think that the the super loyalty of Tesla shoppers might be on the wane now because that was kind of a last straw thing. And it was irritating because it, 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 they weren't fudging the EPA numbers. They were fudging the numbers that you could see in the car, mm-hmm. which which is a number you need, actually, if you're trying to plan a trip. It's good to have that number be yeah. accurate. Oh, that's a really good point. It's one thing to say on paper it can do this, but you need to know what it will do. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and those numbers vary a lot depending on driving style. And yeah. The car usually takes these, calcul- these these metrics into consideration, how you drive, the weather, and, mm-hmm. and, 
and, and what the kind of driving pattern you have for that trip, and you want that number to be really accurate if you're waiting to find a station. I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you, you've actually gone out of your way in your reviews to say, this is how I drove the car, this is what the weather was, and you know, as you're reading it, maybe you don't realize that those are all important elements that go into how I might drive the car or the experience that I might have if I have it in summer versus when you have it in the winter or if I'm driving it in rush hour traffic and you're driving it out in the country. Um, really important differences mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and we're seeing interesting stuff coming out of the Southwest now, too. I mean, we've talked a lot, and obviously we're up here in Chicago, but and we've talked about the impact of cold on batteries, but it turns out batteries really not friends with the heat either. Oh. And they're seeing the same kind of uh, battery... Um, battery efficiency reduction down in the southwest right now. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, so, so really, twenty percent they're saying. twenty percent. Wow. So, so really, the, is, is it extreme temperatures on either end of the spectrum ain't good for battery powered vehicles? Yeah, that's true. And batteries seem to like the exact same temperatures that people do. It's it's amazing <laughs> how similar those patterns are. So, like between forty and eighty, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> so, batteries, people, and guitars. That's right. Guitars are the same. Because literally, if, if, the, the, the rule of thumb is, if you're comfortable, your guitar is comfortable. For 40 years, he's preached that to me. Now, remember, honey, if you're comfortable. So if we go into that restaurant and it's cold outside, we're taking that guitar with us in the restaurant. Oh, and we have. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I did not know this. I didn't. And oh. by the way, it's Mark Knopfler's birthday. I just wanted to throw that Oh, it oh. is. Oh, well, now you've got dire straits going through my head. We're all big fans, too. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, blatant plug. If people uh, want to get a look at Consumer Guide, what is some of the new stuff that's uh, that's on the website? Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on right now, which is pretty exciting. I have an article right now about the new automotive, um, new multi-automaker uh, charging network that's being built, and this is independent of makers hooking up with Tesla. So you have... Big makers, different than, than the ones we talked about in the Tesla network, BMW, GM, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes, and Stellantis hmm. are, are building their own charging network. So that's interesting. I've got a story about that. But, but, but uh, will the, the, let me interrupt you to ask, will the, uh, how do I want to say this, will the plug-in operation of this network be the same as the Tesla network? So somebody who has an, an electric vehicle can go to wherever they want to go to and feel they can safely charge their car. Yeah, it's looking like they're going to go with the same CCS. That's the system that almost every car uses that isn't a Tesla. And what uh, Tesla calls its North American Charging Standard, the NACS. So it's going to be those two chargers, uh, those two connectors at every charger. So that's that's good news for almost everybody. Tom, can we get you to hold your thought in the classic cliffhanger? We'll come back with more that Tom's been up to here on WGM. But our news is next. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Say what you want about Gwyneth Paltrow. I will always love her for this performance, this movie. uh, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis, Gwyneth Paltrow. And they thought they were going to have to have Gwyneth lip sync something. And she said, let me try singing that. And that's Gwyneth Paltrow singing Along with Huey Lewis. And if you've never... What was the name of the movie? Cruising. Uh, Cru- if you've never seen it. No, the name of the movie. That's the song name is Cruising, but the name of the movie is... Uh, oh, what is it? 
bleep. And by the way, it is a Smokey Robinson tune, and yeah. he does a great, great yeah, Smokey, job of it. Smokey did the original version of it. It's called Duets. Duets. Oh, yes, thank yes, you. yes, 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 yes. <sighs> if you've never seen it, you should see it. Uh, we're talking cars. That's why we're cruising. Uh, Tom Appel, our car guy, is with us. Publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And Tom, 847 area code, says uh, that your website has become their go-to site for any kind of car information. You have well, the best. You, you have the best info. They say the best info. Nice and we, to hear. And we agree. Uh, you have some info on the page about Hyundai and some big changes there, right? Hyundai, which is on a design roll like never before. If people have seen their electric vehicles, the Ionic Five, which is a really dramatically styled uh, compact crossover, and then the Ionic Six, which is this radically styled midsize uh, sedan that looks very Porsche-like, uh, has just announced or just revealed teaser photos of its all-new Santa Fe. And you're like, where can they go with this? And this is where they went. It's this incredibly blocky, edgy. It is. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, very, very Land Rover influenced, and it's a great looking car. It looks very tank like, like you can't mess with me. But but it looks cool tank. Yeah, muscular, like yeah. And you talk about the Hyundai's design. Correct me if I'm wrong, but while Hyundai is a South Korean corporation, isn't their design headquarters in California? Yeah, and you'll find that a lot of companies will do that, especially because they, often they design vehicles specifically for North America. But um, Toyota, Honda famously have design studios in California. And, yeah, Hyundai does too. Hyundai Genesis does as well. And, and their design, I think, really pays off because of it. Speaking of Hyundai Genesis, what's the latest on uh, Genesis standalone dealerships? I know they've been uh, slowly rolling out, and I believe there are some supposed to be hitting the Midwest. Yeah, we're going to see standalone Genesis dealers sooner, probably, rather than later. And one of the things that happened is Genesis is kind of a hit. Um, after after a decade of kind of moving slowly and just selling sedans that nobody wanted, their crossover lineup is incredibly popular. It's good-looking stuff, and they have electric vehicles that are working well for them, too. So we will see Genesis standalone dealers. The franchisees are going to want to do it um, now that they have the volume to support that. Okay, here's a question for you. Is the Camry still the most popular car out there? I believe Camry is still the most popular car, if we're, if we're specifically mm-hmm. talking about cars. Um, but it was overshadowed a couple of years ago by the RAV4, um, not only in Toyota's lineup, but overall. The RAV4 has been the best-selling non-pickup truck in the U.S. for a few years now. Interesting question from an 847 area code. Uh, how will used-up batteries be disposed of or recovered? There is a great website to go to is Northwood uh, Northwood Materials is the name of the company. I'm sorry, Redwood Materials. Forgive me. It's it's a, an American-based company that's kind of leading the charge into profitably recycling batteries. And it's largely understood that once the cycle is there, and most of us are driving electric vehicles, and people start to dispose of electric vehicles, that most of the chemicals in the battery can be recovered, and we're going to be reduced to something of a closed system where we won't need a lot more lithium and cobalt and nickel oh. and things like that. Uh, I, it, I, it, it can, they can be recycled. I don't know if you can answer this, but for example, someone could still be driving a car that was made in 1940 in 2023. Sure. Could someone still be driving an electric vehicle 
that was made, say, three years ago, uh, 25 years from now, or would they have to have replaced the battery, or what do you know about that? The battery life, and we know this mostly from Tesla, so this is this is beyond anecdotal now. We've seen <laughs> this, but the battery life seems to be commensurate with the lifespan of expected lifespan of a vehicle, and we're seeing battery degradation of maybe three percent a year, and that slows down as the car ages. So uh, it's something like most people aren't going to have to do anything with their battery unless they got a bad one. Hmm. So, so theoretically, somebody could be driving one yeah. seventy-five years from now. Yeah, and it, you know, instead of a hundred miles of, I'm sorry, three hundred miles of range or two hundred fifty miles of range, it might be reduced to eighty or seventy or sixty <laughs> miles of range. But that's perfectly drivable for a second or third car. Yeah, especially if you know the apocalypse has occurred, you want to get yeah. out of town, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're chauffeuring Mad Max around. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you'll still be on the grid. You won't be off the grid. That's for sure. You know, we said uh, about our our 31 year old Pontiac. We always said every time we would drive it. Well, at least we're off the grid because <laughs> we didn't have OnStar. We didn't have a, a, a hooked, and we literally were off the grid. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone's on the grid now. Eh, oh, big time, yes. When your car starts talking to you, like, oh, we know you want to stop here at McDonald's for your iced tea, Tom, right? Yeah. I'm more freaked out by my phone that always seems to know where I'm going. It always gives me a time estimate to go exactly where I'm going. I'm like, this is just, this is hitting too close to home. But that we're freaked out about the stuff that we'd be talking, talking about, about over the breakfast table, and an hour later whatever it is, shows up on our Facebook feed. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. No. (laughs) We're not not imagining it. No. No. And, you know, God bless him, Patrick Crispin will look you square in the eyes and say, it's just a coincidence. No. I was talking about a bunion. And all of a sudden, I've got bunion ads. Absolutely true. It's not a coincidence. And then I'm getting sensible shoe ads for my bunions. What? That's not a coincidence. (laughs) And and he will just, oh, oh yes. Ah. We're going to take a break so I can cool down and come back for a few more minutes with our car guy, Tom Appel, on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. That's what... That's what he says often. I can't drive 55. Uh, he Officer, is a, I can't Tom Appel, the uh, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. In uh, fact, uh, Tom, this kind of dovetails with a, a listener's uh, comment of 872 area code. Yes. Getting back to car advertising, why is it that a lot of ads on television today show cars racing around in city streets? I'm thinking of the aggressive driving of the Acura and Nissan. They're two automakers that have advertised true. just that way. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why we're seeing that. Except that I guess urban environments, I guess, are hipper now. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, we should remind people though. On your site, you've got an interesting piece uh, on car ads. Yeah, I love to do car ad stuff. Which one in particular are you talking about, Johnny? Uh, is it the older car ads? Oh, because I just I did a favorite car ad. Yes. I just did that this week. Yeah, on the 1968 Dodge Dart Swinger 340. The Swinger. My neighbor had that car. <laughs> she was, oh, man, let me tell you, she was the talk of the neighborhood. They were like, she's a divorced woman. Why is she driving that car? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> 
fast cars for loose women? I don't know. <laughs> that's I, it, I, yes. <laughs> oh. So what's in the pipeline? What are you going to be driving? Um, I am doing my review right now of the uh, redesigned Honda Accord, which is still, I'm just going to, the spoiler alert, still one of the finest sedans you can buy. Um, and I drove a Sport Hybrid, which is the least expensive hybrid in the lineup. Fantastic car. Hmm. Absolutely fantastic. About $33,000. Uh, not there, not much there you could want for, really, except for leather. Really? No. Next time you're on with us, why don't we do a little, uh, let's do two two things. One, uh, can we do um, a few cars that are the most reasonably priced new cars? Yeah. yeah. Is what? reasonable uh, 35000 and below, would that be? Uh... Yeah, that's a good range, actually, because there's okay. a lot there that's, that's qualified. And I don't know how many people think about that, but it also demonstrates the big price gap now between sedans and uh, crossovers. Hmm. Okay. And the other thing, next time you're on with us, uh, because uh, I know that y- you love to uh, to crank your stereo when you're driving. I do. L- let's do, for the, for the bumps that we use out of commercial break, let's do Tom's Tunes. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm good with that. Oh, that'll be fine. So, so pick about, uh, about three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three of Tom's Tunes. And then you'll have to you'll have to explain yourself. Why you yes, explain tunes. yourself, young man. <laughs> yes, and I want to add something else. Over the next uh, month or so, we would like to start something that we did so many years ago, and it was really a lot of fun. If you are buying and have bought a new car, and you would like to be one of the folks that road tests a car for us, we'll just ask that you, after you've had it for um, a month, that you let us know that you're prepared to talk about it, what you like about it, what you're not so crazy about. And sometimes that's as simple as if you could change. You know, yeah. if, if I could, if there's one thing I could change about the car, oh, fill in the although, blank. Although, uh, I'm thinking of a conversation Johnny and I had earlier this week. We were amazed. We, we follow a lot of, uh, of car groups and various social media. There was one in particular on Facebook. This person was complaining about everything in their car, and we both had the same thought. Did they not take it for a test drive before they bought I mean, they didn't they like the, the seats. They the hated ride. the ride. They hated the, the steering. steering. They hated every the single thing about the car. And we they, thought, well, if you had test driven it, you wouldn't have these problems. You, you find, too, that a lot of people that have a problem with the ride drove a different version of the car. And yes. They didn't drive it long enough. And you want, especially because there are so many wheel and tire options on vehicles these days, you want to drive the vehicle you're, you want to buy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a great point because, yeah, I wanted in gray, but I only test drove the one in blue, but I may still take the gray. Wait a minute. It doesn't feel like the blue one did because it's probably a different model of a different level of that particular vehicle and i'm also yeah. I, i'm also thinking about the other um oh the other thread we picked up on this person was just going well what about this and how does this work and can we can we make this go away and finally people started chiming in on facebook and saying read your damn manual it's all in there 
And finally, the guy comes back and he goes, well, I haven't cracked it open yet. But yeah. you would go and flaunt yep. your ignorance on Facebook, listing like 15 things that you want to know how you do these things. And it's right there in the manual. And I'm not sure who to blame. Do we blame the the marketers who give you the impression that all you have to do is buy this Whizmobile and your life will be perfect. You'll never yeah. have to worry about anything. Don't worry it's about so the manual. Smart. Don't yeah. worry about anything. Just walk into our dealership, sign the dotted line, and your life will be wonderful. And then all of a sudden you're driving it and you don't like the fact that it, 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 it lane change pulls you back in the lane. Well, guess what? If you go in your manual, you could probably turn that off. Yeah. And as somebody pointed out, it's doing it because, A, it's supposed to do that. B, because you haven't put on your turn signal and, right. the, and the lane change thing is activated. So if you don't put on your turn signal, it's going yes. to try to keep you in the lane you're in. Yes. I, I think that's most of the time, Steve. I think that people are not using their turn signals, and they're stunned that the car fights you oh, when you drift oh. over the lane. And it's it, what it's supposed to do. Yes. In fact, w- when we were driving in tonight, it was amazing on the drive. I, I stopped counting after about eight people who were just swerving in and out and not using their turn signals at all. Because you don't want to warn the enemy. That's right. You don't want to warn the enemy, and you put that blinker on, they're going to know what your intentions are. <laughs> oh, golly. So, if you'd like to be one of our road testers, and, and uh, Tom, as Johnny said, we did this years ago. and I we can, we, we can do it for, you know, the, it would, we'd talk to you for maybe five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just if you're buying a new car, if you bought a new car, if you would like to let us know what it is, and just be, uh, let us know how to contact you. We'll contact you in advance. And why you bought that car. And, and yeah, we'd like you to be up at this hour of the morning, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll be a live conversation. And we'll, we'll just get- ask you about the uh, the car. What do you think about it? What do you what what made you buy it? Now that you bought it, what do you think since you've been driving it for a couple months? And we'll give you prizes yes. if you do one of our, our road tests. Just that simple. And, you know, just jot down a couple of thoughts. That's what we found people would say. I just have a, a list of my pros and a couple uh-huh. of, you know, cons. And cons are as simple as if I could change one thing. You know, it wouldn't make me not buy the vehicle. It's just it would be nice if, right. you know, again, fill in the blanks. Well, Tom, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. If people want to uh, follow you, the best place they should do it is what? Uh, on Twitter, if they want to follow me, Car Guy Tom on Twitter. That, that's where I'm most active, and that's where I do my car spotter stuff. If I spot an old car, I post it there. Tom is being old school, calling it Twitter. Speaking of spotting things, who is the most interesting actor that you spotted on a Western in the past week? Robert Blake. Yes! Robert, yeah. He was a, um, a union deserter on the show. We tuned into a Western that had um, the skipper from Gilligan's Island. Yes. Oh. And he was a bad dude. I mean, he was... I said, wait a minute, that sounds like the skipper's voice. And I went to the cast and I went, sure enough, that's him. Being... (laughs) really a tough guy i don't remember the name of the we've we've found that if we stumble across the channel grit do you have grit tom 
I do not have grit, but oh. I recently watched grit someplace, and I need to figure out how to get grit. It's great. It, it, it's fun. It, it's just a bunch of old westerns. Good and, copies, though. Yeah. I'm very impressed the the quality of the copies. And we tune in like the last half hour and go, oh well, well we missed a good one. It's always the good guy's going to win. And anyway. what was the uh, the western we tuned into? And we found out it was one of three different westerns that had Howard Hawks done it. Uh, John Wayne. And uh, Dean Martin and James Kahn, James Kahn, and then oh, wow. it, it was kind of it, it was kind of a redone version of uh, Rio, Rio Bravo. Yes, yes, yes. I think there was Rio Bravo, Rio Lobo, and then real Western movie. I don't know, <laughs> but there, but there were three of them. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. Have a good week. Talk to you, you guys. Soon. Have a nice evening. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. That's Tom Appel. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and you really should go to consumerguide.com. It is the go-to website for all things automotive. We've got more All Things Us coming up. Stay with us. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I blushing? <laughs> uh, By the way, if you're out, maybe you're sitting out on the patio because it's a warm night. You're sitting or... out on the patio. <laughs> Stop it's it. a warm night. <laughs> By the way, Julian, what was that? I like that. I know I recognize the song, but I don't know who it is. Nancy with the laughing face, the John Coltrane Quartet. Oh yeah. Sinatra is a great version of that. Which reminds me, uh, <laughs> Sinatra coming. Hours coming up at 2 o'clock this morning. This is the time you should be looking to the skies. Yes. We're hearing from folks mainly in the northwest suburbs saying that they are seeing some fabulous meteor showers. It's the Perseid meteor shower, and until 5.30 this morning, it's going to be the most active. The uh, per, We've been in, in, in and under the Perseid meteors for, I guess, a couple of weeks, but this is the night that there is the most activity that's being predicted up, as they say, until 5.30 in the morning. Now, maybe we're hearing from folks in the northwest suburbs because they're away from the city pollution. The uh, light pollution, not air pollution, but light mm-hmm. pollution. And and so they're just sending texts and going, whoa, you won't believe what I just saw here in Rockford or Elgin or Glenview. So if you are out and you're just kind of hanging out on the patio or sitting in your car, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just sitting in your car, just the two of you. <laughs> Okay. You you make that sound naughty. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay. A uh, couple things we want to remind you of. Yes. One of them is that next week we will be starting a little later than normal. Well, uh, normal is never yeah. the norm for us. Uh, probably around 10, 1030. Because due to a conflict with uh, Bears broadcast, mm-hmm. WGN Radio next week will be carrying the White Sox game, mm-hmm. but which we we love that. Uh, right. We're big fans of uh, of Len and DJ. So, um, and we've been White Sox fans and a horrible, horrible season. But in spite of that, there are moments that 
still keep us White Sox fans. It's been so exciting to see thousands of people come out to the games. Yeah. That's been the yeah. fun thing. Unless so ne- they've come out to, hoping to see a wrestling match. Yeah, well, and that could happen too. So next week, uh, Lennon DJ and White Sox baseball before us. So we'll get on probably around uh, 10.30, 10 o'clock, something like that. Also, uh, next week, uh, Patrick Christman will be joining us, as will Peter Greenberg. We've had some questions about, uh, in particular, uh, some people wondering about um, their passports. And, so yes. we're going to tap into to Peter for his expertise and, about that. Because I just learned, and go ahead and say, duh, but I've asked a number of people, do you think you keep your same passport number your whole life? And they'll go, well, yeah, but you don't. And, do not. and I would kind of wonder, why don't you? Wouldn't it simplify the process if you yeah. did? But eh, but okay. again, you're talking simplifying the process, government, nah. Yeah, not so much. Uh, also, it will be in a couple weeks, um, we've had some people asking about the medical procedure that Johnny had yes. with the platelets. PRP, the platelet ridge plasma i had in my shoulder for an 85 percent torn rotator cuff and this was an attempt to not have to go down the surgery route Mm -hmm. and six or eight weeks of recovery and sleeping in a chair and blah 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 and boy did this work oh it's amazing so we thought because we get questions about it really every week someone says so how are you doing well, I, I heard that you had this. Mm-hmm. Did it work for you? What is it? So we thought we would just go right to the source. The um, sports doctors are the ones that are doing it, not all mm-hmm. of them, but we will have one on the radio that does it. In fact, she did mine. And speaking of of, of Johnny. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Mark your calendars, boys and girls. This Thursday... 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Location is Will's Place in Skokie. And a cute blonde is going to be a celebrity barista. I am so excited because we have followed the whole <clears throat> history of Will's Place from the beginning when it was just a, 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 a dream. Will's Place is a not-for-profit cafe it's in the heart of downtown Skokie, and kudos to Skokie for helping to make mm-hmm. this dream come true. The goal of the cafe, which I understand sells fabulous coffee and great sandwiches and um, Will's chocolate chip cookies, as well as other pastries, uh, their whole goal is to create an opportunity for people who have certain challenges developmental challenges where they can work Mm -hmm. and will is the young man that the cafe is named after and he's there every day working and he's nonverbal. that i will never forget that one of the one of the highlights of my year was the night we had will in the studio with us and as johnny said he's nonverbal. but oh boy does he communicate he understands everything and after he'd been in the studio with us for an hour the hug that I got from Will was a highlight of mm-hmm. of this year. That he's such a special kid. He really is, and I think they have uh, 
maybe over 20 employees at this point that are working mm-hmm. and they all have you know various um, challenges that they're dealing with um, they're waiting tables uh, they're they're preparing food mm-hmm. uh, they're talking with the customers it's right across the street from the Skokie theater and right next to my favorite comic store oh yeah comics that's right there's plenty of street parking and I just would like you to stop by and have a cup of coffee and say hi and I was just tickled that they invited me. I'm the coffee freak. By nine o'clock in the morning, I've already had a pot of coffee, so I'm just going to hold off and have it when I get to Will's place, where I'll be working. And um, I won't be there all day, so you have to be there in the morning, probably nine uh, nine to ten, nine to eleven, something yeah. like that. So uh, Will's place is in downtown Skokie. Uh, the exact address is seventy nine twenty seven Lincoln Avenue in Skokie, and you can go to willsplace.com. Uh, and you can also um, find out what their menu is if you go to their uh-oh. page. Uh-oh. 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 They're, they're flicking the lights. Ah! They're see? starting to flick the lights, and I'm, I'm hearing the Zamboni. See? They're, get, they're, they're getting ready to clean. You know, they're going to chase us out of here. Probably so, Bob wasn't here tonight, and I thought maybe we were going to go with dirty floors. No, nope, no. We're not. Yeah, they're they're cleaning the floors. Lights are being flicked. So if you want to be our last caller, we're it's time for the last call. So give us a call three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred if you want to be our last caller and you will win some goodies from the prize list. Did that I just, number again three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. I just sat down. How can this be? I know it's gone by so fast. By the way, Pilsen is checking in, and they've had four long durations of meteors. Yay, Southside chiming in, Pilsen. Thank you. And, oh, we just <laughs> got a text from 331. Just the two of you and the Zamboni guy. <laughs> okay. That's right. Well, if you want to be our last caller and win some goodies, 312-981-7200 at WGN. Closing time. Yeah, closing time. Dan will run over your feet. He will. (laughs) You don't have to go home. Yes, you do. Yeah, you really do. But you can't stay here. No, no, No. you really can't. Uh, No. And and by the way, for for people who wonder, uh, we'd like you to go to our blog, steveandjohnny.wordpress.com. That's where we will post links to the podcast and links to all the bumps we've used i haven't so far posted a link to the closing song (laughs) by red peters if you would like to look it up be my guest but when you do and it's a great record yeah but when you do you will see why we only play that little amount of the song It is after midnight, though. Technically, we could play the whole thing. Yeah. No. Yeah, technically, the FCC would say, oh, okay, you're in Safe Harbor, but we ain't going to go there. No. Um, So it's an adult song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Last caller means, to make it fair, Mm -hmm. we say it's not literally the last person that calls in. We just let you all call in, and Mm -hmm. then... We are given a number of callers, and then I think Julian chose the number last week, so now it's back to me. I get to choose. Okay. And I'm going to go, I'm going to keep it simple, go with uh, two. Okay, and number two is Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Where are you calling from? Hello, Joanne. Whoops. 
Are you there, Joanne? I think she is. Our phone finally decided to... No, I think she just went bye-bye. Joanne is no because longer there. That, 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 that boinging that's sound... Weird. No, that's been We've happening. We've been having those problems all day, I've heard. Yeah, yeah really? I heard it earlier in the week. And and the caller is still there. It just makes that weird boom. No, but it looks like they've dropped off the line. Oh, that's weird. I'm so happy... Joanne, we hardly knew you. If it had to happen, I'm just so happy that it happened now. And not, I mean, the whole show, we're talking to people on the phone. It it wasn't a problem with Joey DiOrio. It was, no. Uh, It wasn't a problem with uh, with Tom Appel or Or Jim Jim Peterick. Peterick. No. But I heard it two or three times last week, and people go, whoa, what was that? And then the guest is gone, or the caller's gone. And we haven't had that problem since it was a couple weeks ago that it happened to one guest we had, but then it didn't happen with any other callers. Yeah. So Could it have something to do with the meteor shower? That's it, Steve. That's it. Okay. I saw a story earlier this week where they were talking about... Um, what is that? Uh, sun flashes. Um, sunspots. Sunspots. And mm-hmm. how it was affecting telephonic communications. Oh, that, you know, I buy that. So. So you buy that. Good. <laughs> That's good. That's the only excuse I can come no, up I'm, with. I'm, I think I heard somebody, or maybe it was a texter that said that they'd heard why that happens but anyway joanne we hardly knew ye and i'm sorry because i think it was on our end please don't take offense to that uh should we choose another number because we still have some folks on the line yeah we can try another one okay you want to choose okay i'm gonna go this time we can blame it on you julian (laughs) sure 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 i don't mind it Um, why don't we go with sylvia okay okay Sylvia? Hi, Sylvia. Yes. Hi there. Oh, hey. I was beginning to get worried. <laughs> <laughs> How are you tonight, Sylvia? I'm just great, thank you. Good, good, now, good. Now a song has started I on the jukebox. I know Sylvia's mother. Sylvia's mother, yes. From Dr. By Hook. By Dr. Hook. You remember that, Sylvia? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I know. It was a good song, though. It actually was. It was. Good. Yeah. So why are you up at this hour? Uh, well, I you know what? I, I generally listen to you on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's good, because that's the night we're on. I'm babysitting my daughter's dog because she's watching the meteorites wherever or whatever's up oh. in the sky in Michigan. Okay. So I had to let the dogs out, and I came back in, and I'm like, oh, my radio's on, still out. And I heard you. Wait a minute. Your daughter went all the way to Michigan to look at the meteors? Can you see them better in me in Michigan? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good excuse to get out. <laughs> I uh, have to go to Michigan to see the uh, meteors. Uh. Yes. Well, no, probably because, as I was saying earlier, it, the further away you can get from the light pollution like we have, because we've got a great high vantage point, but we're not going to see yeah. anything because we've got lights all around us. Right, right. Yeah. Although Pilsen called in, so they must be... That's uh, right. People here. <laughs> You're right. I was just going to say, we uh, should go to Michigan when we get off the air, but I guess yeah. we, don't, we don't have to. <laughs> yes. So uh, your daughter left a couple of dogs with you? No, she left one big elderly dog. <laughs> a big old dog, literally, right? 
Yes. Okay. What's on your plan for Sunday, now that you've been up in the middle of the night? Well, I was going to listen to uh, music for a while until I fell asleep. Yeah. And go to church on, on Monday and... Well, that's good. That's a good plan. Walk the dogs and take myself out to brunch. Oh, it's getting better all the time. <laughs> and and yeah. what's, your, what's your idea of a good brunch? Well, you know what? There's, there's a, a Mexican restaurant not too far away. Mm-hmm. It, it actually is just, you know, like brunch, I'm saying, taking myself out for breakfast. Mm. Okay. And, uh, they have the Mexican sausage with eggs. Mm. With a side of beans, a side of rice, a side of oh. red stuff. Oh, that's perfect. Now, you do realize that you're making us hungry because we, uh, on Saturdays we have a, a kind of a midday meal and then we don't have anything till we go back home. So, But we did very, very good tonight. We did not start talking about food at 1 o'clock. We made a pact that we weren't going to do that because yep. people said, you're killing us. We have to get up in the, out of bed and go eat. Because you keep talking about food, so we we so we were okay until you called until, Sylvia, you know and then you broke us. Let me tell you, that sounds like a perfect breakfast to me—a little rice and beans on the side with your eggs and your spicy sausage. Oh man! Well, for being the good mom that you are and taking the old dog out in the middle of the night, and, and what is the dog's name? Pepper Jack. Pepper Jack. Pepper Jack. <laughs> That's cool. And what what kind of a dog is Pepper Jack? It's a cheesy dog. Kind of kettle dog. Oh, that is a big dog. Yeah. Well, you are a good... So do you walk him or ride him? <laughs> oh, he's not that big. He's, uh, he's just, you know, bulky. Um, <laughs> I've often said I'm not big. I'm bulky. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia, for being a good mom and taking care of the dog, and for being our last caller, we're going to send you some prizes. You're going to get your very own WGN Radio retro t-shirt, and you're going to get your very own desktop weather station from American Weather Makers, and it's really very cool, and you will find it teaches you things you never knew about weather. It's kind of well, like having... It's having your own Tom Skilling in the house. <laughs> Thank you so much. I always hear, hear them being given out. I'm thinking, is it just a thermometer that they give you? No, it's very cool. And you're going to get your very own, Sylvia. Thank you so much for listening, too. Hold on for a couple of seconds. We'll get some information from Sunday. you off the air. Mm. <sighs> this has been a fast five hours. I know we say that every week. It's crazy. But it really is. Oh, my gosh. We sat down, and it was... Yeah. Well, thank you guys for checking in. We really appreciate it. And we're getting more reports of of meteors. So we're going to get out of here and see if we can catch the Perseid meteor shower. Please do us a favor and uh, check out our blog. That's at Steve and Johnny, S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E dot WordPress dot com. And as I said, we'd love it if you would subscribe. It uh, doesn't cost you anything and we don't spam you. You only get a notice uh, of an email uh, anytime we do a new blog post. And thank you all for being there and here tonight. And uh, much thanks to the keeper of the big plug. That was Brett early in the evening Mm -hmm. and Dan. Nice to have Dan along. He'll go back to mornings where he can have a live. Uh, Our thanks to Gabe and Ron in the newsroom. And of course, Julian. Thank and, you so much. And thanks so much to, to you for listening. 